This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. A's Cast Live till 7 o'clock here from the Collie. I'm telling you, it's a trip. Commander Cody and I are sitting here watching him like 50 women do yoga in left field. And I just realized something. I've made a huge mistake. I mean, a huge mistake. What's the mistake, though? That's the question. Our boss is getting on the plane to go to Minnesota. He is literally on the plane right now. And I didn't bring any beer. This is like a get-out-of-jail-free card today. And plus, I'm, I'm going on vacation for the next few days, so yeah, definitely it's, it's for me. So, yeah, I mean, if you got in trouble, you'd be like, I'm on vacation. You can't do anything until I get back. God, we messed up. We got ladies taking yoga. We could have been sipping on some suds, doing the show. Matt Pearl on the plane. No one would have known. I'm sorry. I apologize. Coming up in moments, before he leaves on the plane, the face of the franchise, two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glover, Rawlings Gold Glove winner, as he likes to say, Ray Fossey is going to join us. Ben Ross from NBC Sports California, who covers the athletics, will be here at 430. Evan Drellich wrote a fascinating article about the Houston Astros and how they're having a, a, a company come in, consultants, and help make their baseball division better. Not ticket sales, not attendance, no, 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 about baseball. It's fascinating. Mark DeRosa from the MLB Network will be here at 5.30. Bip Roberts at 6. And do we have him? Ray Fossey? How are yeah, you, my you friend? Me. You have me. How you doing, buddy? Are you on the plane yet, or are you in, are you in the tarmac? I'm standing outside of the terminal waiting for your call. <laughs> Isn't it amazing what, what we're doing these days, Foss? It's absolutely amazing yes, what we're doing with the A's. It's a lot of fun. It's fun to watch, and, uh, you know, it's that feeling. And uh, I know you and I talked about it before of coming to the park with feeling that you're going to win. And I think that's what the A's are doing right now, that every time they do come to the park, it's like they're going to find a way to win. And 
you know, today, for example, get down two to nothing, and all of a sudden, bam, bam. And Laureano, to me, was was a game changer, even though Profar hit one of the six home runs, uh, the first of the six. But what Laureano did on a routine fly ball on the infield, lost in the sun, he ends up at second base because of his hustle. And I think that set the tone, similar to what last night when Beretta made the diving stop on Malik Smith to rob him of a base hit. The next guy doubles. If that would have happened, he would have scored. Instead, he makes the great play, and the A's were behind Ming to picture. Great game. The A's won that one, won today, and it's a lot of fun, Tony, as you well know, being there and seeing all these things happening. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. I want you to tell the story about how when you got traded from Cleveland over to Oakland <laughs> and, and you, you go from the tribe, you knew you were going to lose, you knew you were going to be bad, and yeah. then, then you come to Oakland in the spring training, they're already telling you they're going to win the World Series. There's something about confidence when you expect to win baseball games every single day. Absolutely, and, and you're right. When I was in Cleveland, we were destined for first place, uh, last place in spring training. I mean, that that's how bad. And unfortunately, there were some good players that would be traded. But when I got traded to Oakland, and I'll never forget Dick Williams telling me, he says, you have to learn this staff in 10 days because there was 10 days to go in spring training. And I remember as if it happened just today that I was talking to Dick Green behind the batting cage. They already won the World Series. And I said, Greeny, this team looks like they just don't care. And he says, no, we care. We're ready. We know we're going to win our division, play somebody from the East, going to beat them and go to the World Series and be world champs again. I go, what? What are you talking about? That was before, that's 10 days ago in spring training. So that was the mindset of the players. Having won it already, they were not going to be content with one world championship. They wanted to win it all the time because they got the taste of what it's like to win. And I think that's what's missing at times when you do not see as many teams repeating as world champions because they start to protect them and think, just like the Red Sox coming out of spring training. And when the A's saw the Red Sox at the beginning of the season, those pitchers had not pitched enough in spring training to be ready even to start the season. And they got off to a, what, a two and, and six start, and they're trying to recover. They may not recover because the Yankees are playing so well. But, but I believe that if you win, that is the greatest feeling in the world, and you want to continue to win. And what better way to do that than go to spring training with the attitude, we're going to win. And I think the A's right now, uh, are, are getting that feeling that when they come to the park, they're going to find a way to win a game. And I think that's what the organization and the fans of the Bay Area of the Oakland A's have seen over the course of time the A's have been here, that that is the attitude that somehow they're going to win, and we're seeing it firsthand right now. So I'm thinking about the Houston Astros right now. It's 420, 421, and I, they haven't taken batting practice yet. So i got to think they're still up in the clubhouse and they've just slowly but surely watched the A's track them down. If they lose tonight, the A's will only be three and a half games back. And you know in every single clubhouse, Foss, they, they have the MLB Network on. What do you think the mindset is of the Houston Astros where they look up and go, oh, my God, the A's won again? Well, I think what they're gotta, they have to be thinking, and, you know, they're good. They know they're good. They're world champions. And last year – Everything didn't go as well for them had gone, that had gone previously, and they realized that uh, certain things happen when you win that, that all of a sudden those things don't happen the next year, and you realize just how fortunate you were to be able to win a championship with everything going correctly. But I think from the Astros right now, they're looking at the A's having to play the Twins starting tomorrow night and four games against a very good team, and then they're going to come into Houston. Now, one thing for sure on Monday night at Houston, that place is going to be rocking. They're going to be packed. And Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, those three games, because I think the fans realize the importance of those games against the Athletics. But, you know, the Astros, I don't 
to be honest, I don't know that they think so much about what the A's are doing because they feel they're very good themselves. But I will say, with Correa out and being put on the 60-day IL, uh, that's a big loss for them. They're outstanding shortstop, uh, Carlos Correa. And he, he got hurt, broken rib, getting a massage. What does that tell you? That, you know, maybe somebody jumped up and down on him. I don't know what happened, but, but he is out. But, uh, you know, and when, when they put him on the 60-day, you think what Jeff Luno, the general manager, might be thinking, and that is we need to open up a spot on the roster. Because the guy goes on the 60, that opens up the spot. So I think they will be very active in the trading market between now and the 31st and try to get somebody, whether it's a shortstop or Lee Bregman at third. Bregman can play short because that's where he played originally. But, you know, the Astros are a pretty confident group themselves. But I like the fact that what the A's are doing, and kind of we see it seem like every year this club gets familiar with each other, and then they take off and start playing good baseball. And we're seeing that right now. Yeah, if you go back to June 16th, the Houston Astros had a very comfortable nine-and-a-half right. game lead in the AL West. And since, they've lost 14-25. to 25, yep. And if they lose tonight, their lead is cut to three-and-a-half. That, that's pretty amazing yeah. how fast the A's have closed on them. But you know what, Tony? Let's look at it this way, too. The season is 162 games. You can afford to lose a whole bunch of games and still win a division. And I think that's why the grueling 162-game schedule, while you know it's tough because you know you can win, you can lose. It's if you get in postseason and you're not hot, and you lose a couple games, you're going home. But in the regular season, you can regroup. And we saw the Astros last year. Whenever the A's went in there, I think two games out, and that's when the Astros kind of knew what everything was being thrown at them on that Friday night, and they won the game, made it three, and the A's left town a game behind. But I, I remember saying on the telecast, it seems like the Astros know what's coming. Well, they did. They knew every pitch that was coming. That's why they beat the A's the way they did, but did not happen the same way after that. But I think what is happening is that the Astros, while they are not playing that good of baseball, they have outstanding pitching in Cole and Verlander and Miley, and, and they've got the bullpen. So you really can't discount them. And, and I just like the fact that it's a competitive part of baseball right now. That, that all teams, and especially even the Rangers, the Angels are starting to play better. Uh, the Mariners are probably stumbling exactly where they should have been starting the season. But, you know, this is, this is fun baseball, and, and I think that it's exciting to be able to watch the A's play. And I will say this to the wonderful fans who are out there again today supporting the ball club. It's not who you play, it's that you're supporting your own team. And you support your own team, the Oakland Athletics, the A's feel that as a team when the fans are out there supporting them. And I think that's one of the biggest tributes to the fans who come out. And they're loud, and they enjoy baseball. They know baseball. But, man, it's a great time to come out and support a team that's very successful. Oh, there's there's no doubt about it. And this is going to be a, a real fun summer. I mean, this is – we're in a race, and that's what it's all about. And these players, when they were struggling, they basically told us, don't worry, we're going to be fine. And right now they are absolutely fine. And you know the hallmark of this team? Everybody loves home runs. I get it. We talked last year so much about the bullpen. Really this year, the starters have been better than the bullpen. But talk about Foss. The hallmark of this team is how well they play defense. Absolutely, and I, I think if you would have told me a couple of years ago that you're going to have all four infielders last year qualify for the Gold Glove, meaning they're the top three, three top infielders in, base, in the American League is going to qualify, I would never have said that. But that's how good they are. And, and you know, Chapman and Olsen, and then Simeon, his most improved shortstop I've ever seen, and I just think this is a good ball club defensively. And you know the one thing it does, Tony, 
it allows a pitcher to say, I do not have to try to strike out everybody. I can pitch the contact because I have great defense behind me. Homer Bailey said it to uh, uh, Vince Catroni today. You heard him on your, your clubhouse show. He said the same thing. This defense is outstanding, which means that a strikeout pitcher doesn't have to get strikeouts. He can pitch the contact because he knows the guys behind him are going to make the plays. That enables him to go deep in the ball game, And I think that really is, is a formula for success when you have a team that can do that. You know, later on today, I'm going to be interviewing Evan Drellick from The Athletic and the MLB Network, and he is going to talk to us about the McKinsey Company. They're a consulting firm that the Houston Astros have brought in the last two years, and it's not about breaking down attendance or, or how do we advertise better or how do we sell more tickets. They've brought in this big powerhouse consulting firm in 2017 and 18 about breaking down their baseball ops. Isn't it just amazing where this game has gone and how it just continues to change? Well, I think the last word is apropos the change. That's that's what has happened in the game. It's changed. And, you know, when you're bringing people in outside of baseball who don't know baseball, see, that, and of course, you know I'm old school. But, you know, I, I think the eye test, and that's why I was talking to someone today at lunch about um, uh, doing a game on TV because you don't see everything that's going on. You have to be at the game. You have to see how players perform in different situations. You can't watch TV. I mean, sure, I know when we were doing the television, we show a lot of things, but you have to be at the park. But I think if, if you're trying to base it on numbers, on computers and everything, I still always defer to the one movie, Trouble with the Curves, because they tried to evaluate a player based on what the computer said, what his stats. They didn't know that he could not hit a curveball. And I think that's perfect. If you're, if you're someone watching it and you know baseball, you know that. So I'm sure people listening saying, wait a minute, he's not in tune with all the changes and everything that's happened. I am. I know it's part of the game. But I still think you have to really evaluate players on what they can do, and especially at a time like this, Tony, back to winning. How do your players perform whenever everything is on the line? Do they play the game normally? And I think that's, that's really how you tell players, not something that you might read or something they might say on a computer printout. And uh, let's just, I mean, Jeff Lunau, uh, you know, he's their general manager. He is way ahead. He's done a lot of things innovatively to, uh, to try to enhance their ball club. So maybe this is something that they're doing. And, you know, who knows? Maybe this is something that everybody else will take on and do after the Astros, whether they have success or not. Well, I'll tell you this, Foss, you want some real change. We have a yoga class going on right now here at the Coliseum <laughs> out in left field. There's like 50 women out here taking a yoga class. I've never seen this before. Hey, I saw it in Anaheim when we were down there just recently, and I said the same thing. I said, what is going on? They were out right field, <laughs> and it was hot on the field. So I don't know. Maybe it might be my old body just won't do all the yoga to do all that. But, uh, hey, whatever works. If it works and people are happy with it, that's fine. But, uh you know, for me, you still have to throw the ball. You have to hit the ball, catch the ball, and play the game hard. And, by the way, you know, you're talking about home runs and pitching. There are two plays, and I talked about them, and that was Laureano hustling on a fly ball on the infield and last night Barreto making the play defensively. So when you do those two things, sure, you hit a lot of home runs, but you have to look at the little things that help you win, and that's what the A's are doing as a team. Overall, they're doing the little things that help them be successful, and that's what's fun to watch with them. They don't panic. They don't get down. And remember, the A's have the best manager of baseball in Bob Melvin, and he doesn't panic. The coaches don't panic. They just work their tails off to make sure that the players are prepared, and because of that, they have the success. Let's end on this because I know you got to get on, on the flight. 
uh, this is going to be a, a, a really good road trip for the athletics because you're going up against really two ball clubs, two teams that are probably going to be in the postseason in Minnesota yeah. and then obviously going head-to-head with the Houston Astros. Well, you know, think about this, Tony. If you're playing teams that are good and Swains and the Astros are good, it's who makes the mistake, how do you capitalize on the mistake? And usually when teams are playing that are good, it's the team that makes the fewest mistakes. We saw the Mariners, how many errors they've made. They've hit a lot of home runs. But when you make errors and you get extra opportunities and those unearned runs appear in the column, then that's not good baseball. What you're going to see against the Twins and the Astros, very good baseball, solid baseball, pitching, defense. And that's the fun part about the game because the little things help you win, whether it's taking the extra base, being aggressive on a ball in the dirt. I mean, there's a lot of little things that you can do to help yourself win. And that's what's fun, playing teams like the Edge are going to be playing the next seven games. Foss, have a great flight. We'll talk to you soon. You're good, man, Chad. Keep doing a great job. We'll see you soon and look forward to it, buddy. All righty. You're the best. Ray Fossey, the face of the franchise. My buddy just sent me this from SF Gate. Anybody going to the beach soon? Cody, you're going to the beach? When are you going to the beach? Well, a little different. I'm going to Mendocino, but I'm still going to the beach. Okay, you're going to the beach. Now, I just got back from the beach. Spent a week at the beach. Had my kids in the surf, boogie boarding. According to SF Gate, there are so many great whites at Santa Cruz beaches. Locals are calling it Shark Park. Well, we live very close to Santa Cruz. I think we might need to go up there. and uh, Maybe we should do a show from Santa Cruz by all the sharks. Wow, I'm going to retweet this. That's fascinating because I remember they, they, they like breed them at the Furlong Islands right off the coast of the uh, – They're Golden every they're, – they're, they're little – okay, here's the deal. When you watch Shark Week, okay, which is fascinating. I love Shark Week. When you watch Shark Week, there's two main spots all the shows are at. Here in Northern California – and South Africa. That, that That's the, the majority of, if we're talking great whites. Now, they'll do like the Barrier Reef and they'll, you know, they'll do all these other spots where there's all these different. But when they're talking great whites, the show usually is here in Northern California or in South Africa. Now, also up like in Nantucket and up there in, uh, up in the Upper East Coast. There's a lot up there. That's where, you know, Jaws, Jaws was. But, I mean, that. They're everywhere. I mean, they tell you like anybody. Th- there's a story. Uh, my brother had it when I was down in San Diego. That it was. I want to say it was like Newport Beach or somewhere in in Orange County. And the guy is at his beach house, and his kids are out in the water, and he's flying a drone, right? And he's flying the drone over his kids in the water, and all of a sudden the drone has a camera. He looks down, and he's flying the drone all around, and all of a sudden he sees all these sharks. It's where they live. I'd be terrified. It's terrified. where. Have you ever seen the one where they're uh, also in Orange County where the helicopter, there's like. And you know what? This is on my at, at Townsend Radio. If you go way back on my timeline, I retweeted this. But it's video of a helicopter, and the helicopter's like there's like six or seven people paddleboarding. Oh, I remember this. Okay. Yeah, and all of a sudden the helicopter comes up and goes, this is the Orange County Sheriff's Department. Do not be alarmed. Please return to the beach. There are 13 great whites below you. 
And these people, I mean, you're on a paddle boat. And you got a helicopter above you warning you of 13 great whites below you. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think we played this on uh, terrestrial radio before. I think we played Terrestrial that radio? What is that? Yeah. Well, the old days, our old careers. Our old careers? You know what I heard about radio? And I don't know if this is true, but you, you, want, you want a little radio knowledge? Are you ready for this? 80%. Okay, if, if you're a radio listener, if you listen to the radio, Ben Ross, do you listen to the radio? Sometimes. Sometimes. See, he's a millennial, only sometimes. He's he's a former uh, 95.7 game employee as well. For two weeks. For two weeks. 80% of people who actually will listen to radio will never go to the AM dial. 80%. So that means only 20% of the people who actually will listen to radio will only go to AM. Think about it. They're making cars now. Teslas, they don't have AM radio. And guess what? A lot of manufacturers are going to fall through. That's why what we're doing, and not to just, uh, you know, pump us up, but what we're doing is the future. This is the future. Because all cars, you'll be a- everybody can link their phone to your car. So you'll be able to listen to A's cast in your car. A lot of you are doing it right now. They're fat. Other teams are fascinated with what we were doing, like the Mariners people. I Aaron, mean, Aaron Goldsmith. Aaron Goldsmith. I mean, he comes down and did the. He's like, "What it? So you guys are what? Really? Wow! I'm telling you, what we're doing. Every NFL team's going to do it. Every NBA team's going to do it. Every baseball team's going to do it. There are already. How about this? There are this may not fascinate you. You know, sometimes you got to get away from baseball. We have been here all day. So and that's the great thing about we we can do whatever the hell we want. So we can talk sharks or radio. Um, <laughs> you know, I could just hear a program. Get back on track. Talk baseball. Not, no, I can do whatever I want now. Um, what was I talking about? Um, let's see. Now I forgot. Because I kept thinking about how we're, how everyone's so, uh, everyone loves what we're doing. Oh, oh, oh! There are four hockey teams right now. Think about it. professional sports teams. Four hockey teams, who don't even have a radio station anymore. I know the Kings are one of them. And one's the L.A. Kings. You're talking the second biggest market in America, a team who has won the Stanley Cup. You're talking about a very, very popular team. They ditched radio. How about that? That I'm telling you, this, what we're doing, is the future. This and sharks aren't going away. One other thing. You mentioned how everyone's loving what we're doing. Since the city of Cincinnati loves what we're doing. Oh, yeah. I, uh, God, I need to apologize to my man, Brian Price. So Brian Price is the old manager of the Cincinnati Reds. Bay Area guy, went to Cal, grew up in Mill Valley, born in San Francisco. Very close friends with Bob Melvin. And also good friends with Ken Korak. So we had him on to talk about Homer Bailey, who was phenomenal today, who is now 8-6 and six on the year, 1-0 with the Athletics. I believe he's 4-0 in his, his last starts with uh, – was it his last – yeah, Ben Ross knows this. Give me a guy that knows. He's 4-0 with a 2.57 ERA in the last, what, five or six starts? Is that what it is? Who are we talking about now? Homer Bailey. Okay, I kind of missed. Yeah, Homer Bailey. Uh, that sounds right. Something like I, that. I left my stats He's hot. down the hallway. So, but I know he has been good. His last nine starts, too. 
So check this out. We have Brian Price on the show. And was that yesterday or two days? Two days ago on Monday. And so, you know, he's, he's, he's buddies with Melvin, buddies with Korak, Bay Area guy. He's, he's a Cal guy just like yourself. Go Bears. Go Bears. And um, at the very end, I want to have a little fun with him. So we go through all the baseball stuff. But he did a tirade. Do you have? Can you bring up part of the tirade? So he did a tirade. It's like a six-minute tirade after a game where he threw out 77 F-bombs. 77. That's impressive. Just, I don't, just that pace. The volume. The volume. <laughs> <laughs> In such a short time. So I asked him about it, thinking we'll have some fun with this, right? And it, uh, it turned quickly on me. Not bad. Do you have it? This is okay. This is just part of the rant <laughs> after the game. Former, former Reds manager Brian Price used to work for Bob Melvin in Seattle and Arizona, and yes, is a Cal Bear. I don't get it. I don't get why it, it's got to be this way. Has it always been this way? Where we just f- tell everybody everything, so every f- opponent that we have has to know exactly what we have. Which relievers are available which guys are here and which guys aren't here when they can play what they can do it's nobody's business it's certainly not the opponent's business we've got to deal with this i'd like to talk and i have spoken as candidly as i can with you people if if that's not good enough i won't say a thing i'll go yes sir no sir and i can do that but i've been as candid as i can be about this team and our players and we got to deal with this every team that we play has to know every guy that's here and what they can and can't do me it's a disgrace and sick of it it's hard enough to win here to have every opponent know exactly what the we bring to the table every day i don't like it that's what i'm saying make it very clear i don't like the way that this is going at all I i i think we know how he feels I think he really knows. So then, yesterday, I, I typed in his name. I was researching something. And the Cincinnati Inquirer, so like SFGate is the Chronicles, right? So Cincinnati.com is the Cincinnati Inquirer's website. And then here, you, I'll just read you the first line. Former Cincinnati Reds manager Brian Price was a guest on Oakland A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend, and he offered his opinions about analytics, rule changes, blah, 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 Homer Bailey, and, of course, the tirade. 77 f bomb. It says it right. Townsend asked Price about his legendary 2015 rant while Price was managing the Reds that featured 77 F-bombs in five and a half minutes. Look at that. We're big time. In, we're I was going to say you made it. You're big time. We're You're big time in Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati just like Bill we're Belichick. Cincinnati. But I felt bad because, like, you know now they're calling it. How do they even know? Like, how would people in Cincinnati know? We're not on a terrestrial radio station. We're on, a, we're on an app in the Bay Area. How do people in Cincinnati, how would they even know what he said? Can they download the app there? Is, is that yeah? True? But they wouldn't be able to listen. That you have right. to be in our. T- so basically, the way this thing works is every major league baseball team has a territory, right? And so we share a territory. Well, 
not when we talk about building ballparks, but uh, when we talk about a territory, it's, you know, past the border in Oregon, comes all the way down into part of Nevada, comes all the way down to, like, Pismo Beach or something like that. Because down, as you get down south, there's a wall there because that's the territory for the Dodgers and the Angels. So everybody – and then if we're going into Oregon, you're going to start running into the Mariners' territory. So if you're in our territory – you can listen to A's cast. But the minute you're out of our territory, you're, you're gonzo. And that's the same thing. So, like, if the Dodgers or Angels are doing it, when they'll start doing it too, we won't be able to we, – we can't get their station up here. So, they've clearly, they've got a, a source in the area who they're turning to for this content. It's unbelievable. Let's talk about the uh, – let's talk about the home runs. Um, there's a couple balls today that were pop flies. You I think? mean, they, they were fly balls. I mean, Coco even said it to us off the air. Coco was in today with Ken and Vince that the Pender home run to right field, which was a like we played the call, Ken Korak's call. I mean, you can't basically say fly ball to right field. I mean, it wasn't a home run call. And it just kept going. Coco said, man, that looked like Coors Field. Hey, I mean, A's hitters, I think, deserve that every once in a while, right? Playing in, playing in this ballpark, I don't think they get many of those uh, cheap home runs or whatever you want to call them, so. I, I, they deserve the breaks once in a while. Sometimes the day games here, it was hot today. Ball was flying out. It's. It, I just wonder at the end of the year when we're talking about a 1,000-plus more home runs than what happened last year, and you're going to obliterate the all-time home run record. Now, I was on yesterday with a – God, I always forget his name. Aaron Goldsmith, the TV guy for the Mariners. And he was, you know, throwing out there, you know, is there home run fatigue? And I go, you know what? I don't think so because every single time someone hits a home run, everybody goes nuts. Like today. It's like no one booed after the six. <laughs> I mean, everybody's going nuts. So yeah, people, I think people still love the home run. I think the issue some people have is when it's only the home run. And we've seen that sometimes where teams don't do anything else. You know, it's, it's home run or strikeout. I think. The nice thing about the A's recently is, yeah, they've been hitting a ton of home runs, but they're also hitting a lot of singles and doubles and triples and playing great defense and doing everything. So that that's what's exciting about it. Yeah, their defense is is it's spectacular. Yeah, it really is. Well, and you know, did you see? I I'm guessing you might have seen or talked about the the Sabre rankings that came out for like midseason, the Sabre Defensive Index rankings. Anyway, they use that as like part of the equation for the Gold Gloves. The A's have four guys who are leading their position in that in that ranking. You got Chapman, Olsen, and Simeon. Those probably aren't surprises, but Robbie Grossman too in left field. Wow. So I mean, you're talking about a team. I mean, there's a really good chance I think you're going to see three of the A's four infielders win Gold Gloves this year, which would be amazing. Yeah, I bet that hasn't happened often. I'm going to have to research that because it's incredible. I mean, we've talked about Simeon and you know how how good he's become and and just the work he's put in and he's a completely different player and Chapman of course Olsen you know won the gold glove last year I still almost feel like he's a little bit underrated around the league uh you get it anywhere near him at first base he's gonna make the catch he's he's the best scooper I've ever seen I'm not a great researcher so why don't you research that get get back to us that's my project you know you mentioned Matt Olsen you know, everybody is, you know, obviously we know Chapman is a budding star. I mean, he is, the A's keep winning, he keeps hitting, and he keeps playing defense. 
He's going to be an MVP. He's going to be an MVP candidate. Oh, yeah. He no could question. be the MVP, for God's sake. I mean, he was a candidate last year. So, yeah, I, I agree. He's, he's going to be right in there. But the problem is he's going to be hard to sign. And I hate to say that. It's just he, he, he's got a lot of bravado. And I could see him being somebody with Scott Boris in his ear being – you're you're a big market, even though we're in a big market. But, you know, talking about maybe going back home to play for the Dodgers or if you want to, you know, this is going to be one of the clients Boris wants to get max value out of. We talked to Boris. You talked to Boris. Susan Slesser talked to Boris. He would not give us a straight answer. Uh, next thing you know, he starts talking about baseball in Japan. And I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, he went and wanted, he did not want to get into it. Yeah. You asked Matt about it. You know, Matt, Matt's in a situation where he's going to say, hey, I like these guys. I like playing here. But then he's going to bring, you know, it's a family decision. It's a business decision. I got to talk with my agent. You know, I, I don't know if David Force is putting out like a Bregman deal right now for a hundred something million for X amount of years to lock him up or a Cunha Jr. type deal. But I just I don't get the sense that that Matt's going to take that kind of deal. So he might the the, the Matt you might want to lock up now is probably Matt Olson. Well, here's the thing with Chapman that's the good news, and I'm looking at you know his his contract status. He's the, the A's have him for four more years after this one as far as team control. So they've got him through the 2023 season when he'll be 30 years old. So if he's going to become an under a free agent, that won't be till he's 31. So the A's will at least have, you know, Chapman in at minimum. They'll have Chapman in his prime for the next four years after this one. So that's the good news. Uh, but I'm with you on Olsen. I think Olsen is also a budding star. Um, I think the A's have a few of those guys. Ramon Laureano fits into that category. I mean, defensively and offensively, and, and that's the same thing with Olsen. You talk about those three guys, those are, I mean, those are future perennial all-stars potentially. Yeah, you start looking at the numbers for Matt Olson coming into today. So coming into today, Matt Olson was hitting 308, eight bombs, 15 RBIs in the last 16 games. Only Guriel Bellinger had more home runs in that span. So Guriel 10, Bellinger 9. I mean, it, the, he's playing ever since he's come back from the hamate bone. He's playing at a level as the best players in the league. He's been amazing. It, and it, I think Bob Melvin was – uh, the one who brought it up, it, it kind of reminds you when he first came out on the scene a couple of years ago when he was hitting all those home runs as a rookie. He's got 19 home runs this year, and, he, you know, he missed the first whatever it was, 34 games, I think, uh, with the injury. And now he's been one of the best power hitters in the game since coming back. I think I think I was looking at this today, and I think he's fourth in the American League in uh, at bats, fewest at bats per home run. Something around like eleven and a half. Every eleven and a half at bats, he hits a home run, and I mean that's like Mike Trout territory. So the power has been phenomenal, um, and I think as an all-around hitter, he's become better. I mean, you just gave the numbers what he's doing recently, but he makes solid contact. I think that's another thing he ranks really high in is he's near the top of the league uh, as far as as hard hit rate. So I mean, he he is squaring baseballs up. He's a tough guy to get out, and then obviously we've talked about how good he is defensively too. Uh, no doubt about it. He's got a 12-game hitting streak, which is a career high, and it's you know it's just fun to watch. It's just a reality that the game's gone younger, but it's just fun to watch these younger players and watch the light go on. 
and they start that confidence they start to build because one of the things that I respect about Matt Olson so much was two years ago he was on that train back to Nashville. He was here, right. back to Nashville, here. I mean, he went up and down and up and down, and it was like, well, you just give the guy a chance, right? And that's kind of like with Franklin Barreto now. Right. We'll get to him in a second. But And I remember talking to Matt about this in Japan before the start of the season. I'm like, you know, a lot of guys wilt. Like, Barreto's wilting under that. Olsen embraced it, and it made him who he is today because going up and down that much, man, that can just tear at your confidence. Yeah. No, there's no question about it. I mean, not just mentally the confidence, but physically. I think that's tough to find a rhythm when you're, you know, when you're in and out of the lineup, when you're on two different teams, two different cities. Um, so that was impressive. And I, I just think Olsen's improvements, I mean, you know, we saw him struggle a, a bit last year um, with strikeouts. And, you know, he, he popped up a lot. I just think as an all-around hitter, he's gotten so much better this year. And it really is amazing looking back at the hand injury he had now and, and kind of, you know, I think a lot of people were a little bit worried would the, would the power come back right away and did it ever. I mean, he's hitting – for more power than, as, as we've said, just about anybody in the league. The guy is just hitting bombs. All right, Franklin Barreto. I know Bob Melvin pulled for him. That's one of the reasons why he's getting a lot at bats. And I think everybody in the organization is at a point where you got to find out, do you have something here? We know he's athletic. We know he's got pop. The question about him is can he make consistent contact? And last night, after his last at-bat, that he did his last at-bat, he struck out, and then I looked at it and I went, oh, my God, he's batting 152. Can he – does he need more? I mean, like, how much more do you need before you start really worrying about whether this guy's going to be able to hit this level? I mean, it's, it's tough because he still hasn't had a ton of at-bats. I'm trying to see how many he's had this year because, yeah, obviously – you know, that batting average isn't great. We've seen in flashes what he's capable of. But, I mean, this year, I mean, he's only he still only has 33 at-bats the whole season. So, I think it's a little, you know, it's a little tough to look at batting average and, and on-base percentage that early. Um, I'm with you, though. I think they finally decided we do need to see what we have here. And I think that was kind of what went into this, the decision of, of saying, you know what, we're going to, He's going to be the, the main second baseman moving forward, at least for the time being. Just to put him out there, not for a few games, not even for just a couple of weeks. I, I think they'd like to see him for at least maybe a month or two just see what he can do. And, uh, you know, he was tearing it up in AAA. Yeah, I think he won player of the, of the month in the PCL for June. So, he you know, he was swinging a hot bat down there. A lot of young hitters struggle with strikeouts. I think people forget, you know, we forget he's still only 23 years old. Um, so there's certainly time to, to learn how to lay off some of the, the pitches out of the zone that he tends to swing at. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's smart to give him a chance and just see what you've got because you do – you have to decide one way or another at some point. Is this going to be our guy or are we going another direction? Yeah, and, and I know people have played the he's just 23 – but when you're a super prospect, twenty and you've been in pro ball for a long time, he's an old twenty three. You know, like like the Trout, 
Machado, Harper, you know, the stars of Acuna Jr., the mm. stars of today, these young guys who, whether you're coming from a foreign country or drafted out of high school, you know, by the time you're 23, you're supposed to be ready to rock. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so that's like people say, well, he's only 23, but it's like, well, this guy was a mate. This guy should be starting already in te- if he's a major player, if he's going to – and that's what and, – and you're right. I mean, it's not a whole lot of at-bats. I just – when he gets up here, whether he's pressing or not, boy, he swings at a lot of pitches that he's not even close at. You're right. And, you know, I'm just looking at his game log. It really still hasn't been that many games that he's played. So he came up here, I think, June 30th was his first start of the season. So that's one. I mean, he still played in or started less than 10 games. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I can kind of see it both ways because, as, you, as you've said, Chris, he has been in pro ball for a while and – kind of struggled with the same things with chasing pitches and uh, struggling to make contact. It seemed like he was making strides during the offseason, and, you know, he had a great spring training for what for whatever that's worth. Um, but I do want to see a little bit more. I mean, you know, it's been about half a month since he's been up here. So it's still only been, you know, just over two weeks. I would like to see where he's at around 100 at-bats, 150 at-bats, as opposed to 33. And at that point, maybe you can make more of a, of a judgment. But we have seen the power that he's got, incredible speed. I mean, you can see why people like him so much and why he's so you know, highly touted. The tools are there. We'll see if he can put it together. Let's end on this. Give me a grade for Homer Bailey's debut. I thought he was solid. I mean, I, I'm going to give him... I'll, I'll give him a. I want to. I'm de, I'm debating between a B plus and an A minus. Um, let, let's let's go A minus. Let's be generous. I what I liked was you know he he kind of even admitted he was a little rusty uh, in the first couple of innings. I think he hadn't he was pitching on like 12 days rest or something. Um, and so you know in that second inning he kind of got knocked around a little bit. After that, he was lights out and he goes six innings. He doesn't walk anybody. That's something I liked. He strikes out six guys, and, you know, if you're the A's and you're going to get six innings, two runs from your starter, that's that's going to end up in a win more times than not. So I thought he was terrific. And, uh, you know, even just talking to him after the game today, you can tell he's happy to be be here with an, with an offense that, you know, is going to provide this type of run support. You just keep your team – you keep the A's close, and there are going to be a lot of times where they – they can get runs in a hurry, as we've seen recently. Cody, it's always key to put people on the spot, right? That's exactly right. That's what good hosts do. <laughs> when are we going to get an article uh, on uh, Ace Cast Live here? I think I'm thinking within the next couple of weeks. I gotta. I'm going to interview you. Maybe today, or maybe I'll give you a call or something. We can do it on the phone. But ready to rock I, anytime. I had it. I had it kind of scheduled for All Star Week, and that fell through just with some of the other stories and. My higher ups. So I, what I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think Chapman and Liam may be a little bit bigger going to the All Star game. <laughs> I will give you your higher what ups. I, what I've got to do is <laughs> no. I think we're gonna we're gonna get this done. Uh, we, it's definitely an interesting story. I mean, you were talking about it before I came on. How this is this is the future. Uh, so let's let's do it. Let's do an interview and let's get this story done in the next week or two. I, I did the research for you, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, three teammates won a Gold Glove in the same year. Oh. Happened, happened as recent as last year. Freddie Freeman, well, Nick Markakis. I don't remember that. 
Uh, yeah, Freddie Freeman, Nick Markakis, and Ender Inciarte did right. it. Well, that's then, the National League, so it uh, doesn't count. In the last 20 years, three teams in the AL have done it. The Royals did it twice. And then the 03, the 03 Mariners with John Olerud, Mike Cameron, and Ichiro. Oh, no, Brett Boone won the all one gold gloves. Wow, you're like a buzz Look kill. at this. You got a, you got a good researcher here. We but yeah. yeah, we thought <laughs> we oh, thought we had something special, and you're telling it, us it's the run of the mill. Hasn't happened since 1978. No, no it happened last year, you idiots. <laughs> hey, man, thank you very much. We love yeah. reading you and everything that you do, and we Anytime. appreciate it. Coming up next, it's going to be fascinating. It may be uh, – it's going to be hardcore. The Houston Astros are doing something no one else is doing. You're going to learn about it next right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. One and missed, and Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Tony Bellinger hits one out. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. So if you remember during the draft, we were hearing that the Houston Astros were basically paying people to just take video of guys that they were interested in and send the video back to them. It wasn't your traditional, and Evan Drellick is going to join us from The Athletic, who's written an article. The title is The Astros Open Baseball Ops to McKenzie Consultants for Scouting to R&D and the Farm. It's a fascinating read. And... The Astros are, are, are doing things different. It's not send out a bunch of scouts and report back to us and that we're going to figure out how to draft people. And to open yourself up to this monster consulting firm that Fortune 500 companies look to to help your business. And this is not, they're not bringing in McKenzie to sell more tickets or, hey, how, how, how's our marketing department and, you know, how do we increase attendance? This is for baseball ops. Evan, thank you so much for taking the time. You're on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend, and we want to promote your article on The Athletic. I love The Athletic, and this is really a fascinating read. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. You know, something I found out about, I don't know, maybe six, eight months ago, um, it had made the rounds a little bit. You know, the Astros used McKenzie, but nobody really understood exactly what they had done. Uh, they didn't exactly broadcast it, so to kind of get a little insight there, and it's, it's just different than what a lot of teams are doing. You know, we come from the world of Moneyball, right? I mean, the A's were really the start of a lot of this stuff and, and change in baseball, and we're always interested in this. And, of course, what, what the Astros have done and had such great success. So kind of take us through, because McKenzie's something you'd think they, you know, out here in our world, you think they would be helping Google or Apple or someone like that and not a baseball team. Right. And I think McKinsey and probably the other big three firms and any consulting firm wants to be in a position where you can get more business and different business. And, you know, Jeff Luno, the GM, now president of the Astros, used to work at McKinsey. Uh, and, and there was this feeling that, well, even if they've never worked directly with baseball teams and, and uh, baseball operations specifically, you know, they've worked with sports leagues and, and 
with teams, but never in the area touching the on-field product, never in that baseball operations uh, specific area. Well, all right, what if they've worked with the U.S. Air Force? What if they've worked with other elite academic institutions? Whatever. There's got to be something that we can extrapolate from uh, what they are doing and have done with other companies, their knowledge of how other elite institutions work into baseball. So, you know, was it this overwhelming transformative experience? Probably not, in part because Jeff Luno's got that consultant mindset already. Uh, but it's another stone you can look under. It's another stone you can turn over. Do you know what McKinsey actually did for the Astros and changed, I guess, the business model of baseball ops? Did you learn anything that changed once they came in as consultants for the Astros? So they looked at three areas. There's two engagements or studies or whatever they, they want to call it. They've got their own terminology and lingo in that world. Um, 2017, it was R&D, research and development, and scouting were the focuses. And then 2018, it was player development, so the farm system. They weren't, uh, even as I reported this, broadcasting everything they found because this is the age where everything is proprietary and everybody's scared to share all the information because, heaven forbid, we give away a trade secret. But a couple things were pointed out. As an example, on the minor league side, the 2018 engagement, there was a feeling that the minor league manager role could be handled differently. The minor league manager for a long time is supposed to be the buddy. You know, you set the schedule, but there's, there, there was time to apply yourself to other things. And, and so they looked at fielding. And, and usually what would happen is you have the, the minor league roving fielding instructor come in, and that's when you would do kind of the most intensive drills. But why not have the manager head up fielding drills and fielding work more frequently? So that idea, as it was explained to me, existed previously. You know, it wasn't like McKinsey came up with it, but it helps to have that outside, outside set of eyes, people who haven't, uh, you know, worked A in baseball, B worked in that organization to look at it and go, you know what, this would make some more sense. And on, our, on the R&D side, it was structural. A lot of it was structural. So, you know, how do we organize this? How do we prioritize this project over that project? Uh, what, what's the right way to go about things rather than necessarily – this project is bad, this project is bad. It's, it's how do you learn to figure out which projects are good and bad. You know, th th they kind of get a bad rap about scouting. Like, uh, L L Luno doesn't like scouts. They don't even want to use scouts anymore. And a lot of the old school people in, in baseball are like, this is going to fail for them. Kind of set everybody straight. Where are the Astros when it comes to scouts and the older way that people evaluated talent? Well, I mean, they're pretty far away from it. You know, they, they've reduced their number of traditional scouts, the people they put on the road to go look at baseball games, and they've added a lot of people in-house to look at video with basically a general philosophy that, you know, what can the human eye see better than uh, a computer, uh, a robotics, whatever. You know, uh, you're better off analyzing something with a computer program than you are with the human eye, which honestly makes a little bit of sense, and I think, Probably the direction they see it going is that scouts end up being more like private investigators. But, you know, scouts will tell you we still do see things on the field that teams don't. And and I, I believe that's true. The answer, though, for a team like the Astros, it's very budget conscious, is they don't want to spend the money. Right? It's, it's a lot of money you have to invest uh, to put somebody on the road. You know, not relative to, like, signing a player. Nothing is, is a lot of money relative to signing a player. But if they feel they can get more from keep, keeping people in-house and looking at video, they're going to do that. That's how they operate. Uh, so 
you know, it's accurate to say that they don't believe in traditional scouting. They've laid out laid that out there pretty clearly. Well, and, and let's face it, they're having that success. I mean, that's the one thing where you you start to make changes. If you're losing, people can criticize you. But when you've had the success they they've had, it's hard to criticize. Yeah, and, and you know how much of it is the scouting approach? Maybe a little bit of it, but that's kind of the whole thing. You know, is McKinsey, uh, you know, a thirty percent gain? No, but but everything is incremental. You know, if you can get if you be a little bit better than somebody else in one area, if you can be a little bit better than somebody else in another area, well, at the end of the day, that adds up. So the Astros. They're not afraid to let people go. They're not afraid to turn things over, do things differently with the idea that eventually you get these incremental gains. And, you know, that's a challenge to other teams around the league. We're going to do it like this, adjust, or theoretically you're going to struggle. But I still think philosophically there's room to do things the other way. You know, you might not be as efficient, but it comes down to a question of how do you want to run your business? Do you want to be a family-run business? Do you want to be cutthroat like a Fortune 500 company? You know, that's what's happening in baseball now. Do you think this is the future of baseball, having firms like this? You know, on, on a basic practical level, this makes sense. Like, why wouldn't you have people who understand good management practices? You know, a, a front office these days has, has a little tech company. If everybody's doing programming uh, and R&D, why wouldn't you have somebody who's more experienced in that particular space come in and say, you know what, this is how you should structure this? Because base, baseball people, by definition – they're baseball people. They don't know how to run the tech side of things. You know, you might know how to program, but you might not know how to actually manage that. So I think there's something to be grabbed onto here. Is it going to change the world? I don't know. You know, I, but I wouldn't be surprised if in five, ten years, you know, this was more common. The teams are willing to say, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll give, we'll give $500,000, million dollars to a consulting firm to look over baseball ops. You know, why not, right? If it can help you get a little bit of an advantage, that's the whole name of the game today. You know, and I and I think about where the Astros are right now for the first time. You know, seeing the Astros leak a little oil. You know, on on June sixteenth, the Astros they were up nine and a half games in the AL West, and with the A's winning today, they have won six straight, eight of nine, twelve of fourteen. They're now sitting at just four back of the Astros. If the Astros lose tonight, that's going to be cut to three and a half. Three and a half. How are you looking at the division now with the A's making up all these games? I was talking to somebody in the Astros organization yesterday. There's still a feeling they're going to win that division. I was, I did not realize until Book Shambi at ESPN tweeted, I think it was today, that the run differential of the A's is now better than the Astros, which surprised me. But, you know, I think the, the Astros could have been a little bit more proactive in addressing some of their needs, the feeling that they could use a little bit of catching help. Um, but at the end of the day, one team got hot, the other team got cold. I, I, I still have faith that the Astros are going to end up winning the division. I still think they're probably the best team in the American League. Um, no offense to the Yankees. Hey, great stuff. And the article's fantastic. And we, we appreciate your time, and we'll be calling on you again. Thanks, Chris. Evan Drellick from The Athletic. He's covered the Astros for years. But obviously this is it, – it's – I want to say the piece – I haven't even finished yet because it's like 14 pages, Cody. Yeah, if you go to print it out, if you just go and copy and paste and print it out, it's like it came out to be like 14 pages long. Yeah, th- this is this is well done. This is somebody that got tipped off about a story and researched it 
and really put a lot of time into it. And it's 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 what I've kind of been comparing what we're doing with the A's because everybody told us for a while, speaking of consultants, consultants were coming in and they were telling everybody shorter is better. You know, in radio, it was shorter interviews. The audience wants to hear from you. They don't care about interviews. Make them shorter. You know, they want articles to be smaller in the paper or on websites, you know. You know, sports on television with the news shows. You know, you don't spend too much time on one thing. Always keep it moving, right? Well, you know what we have found out? We have found out that you, the consumer, and it's like with us. I mean, think about that. If just a few years ago you would have said, as papers are dying, unfortunately, I think that's very sad, but as newspapers are dying, you're going to start a website that people are going to pay for and it's just going to be sports articles? Are you high? No one's going to want that. Well, take a look at The Athletic. They've been very successful, and they're not doing small articles. They're doing long-form journalism. But it just goes to show if you do something right and you do it with great quality, we still will pay for it and we still will, like podcast. How many podcasts out there, people are having long-form podcasts where they go an hour long and they'll interview multiple people and they'll get a bazillion downloads. It just goes to show if you do quality, you can go long. And that's been the one of the cool, like, like, look at us. We've taken one break in an hour and 15 minutes. And I'm sure a lot of you appreciate that versus terrestrial radio, commercial break, commercial break, commercial break. I mean, it's just like, oh, my God. And that's why everybody is always searching around the dial because that's all it is is commercials. But this, this, this to me, when Commander Cody brought it up, Jeffrey Luno is a really bright guy. Now, he worked at McKenzie, brought McKenzie into the St. Louis Cardinals, and then from the Cardinals to the Astros. So you basically bring in a consulting firm that knows how to look inside your business, no matter what the business is. And he mentions the big three. So it's the McKenzie, Cor- the McKenzie & Company, Boston Consulting Group, Bain and Company. Those are the big three. So it's MBB, McKinsey and Company, Boston Consulting Group, and Bain and Company. So these are the three prestigious, they handle business probably all over the world. And it sounds like the biggest controversial thing that they've done is they've helped foreign governments make their government a little bit stronger over their people. Let's just say non-democracies. That's a, that would be like the one criticism that they have, and they've been called out. I guess McKinsey's been called out in the New York Times. But, hey, that's what they do. Uh, a government brings you in and says, we want to we, we be a stronger government, authoritarian government. I mean, you're going to get paid. That's what you do. If you want to get – if Apple's going to bring you in or – eBay or Adobe or Oracle, they've done some sports. Looks like they've done some. some uh, I think it was Formula One. They've done yeah, some uh, racing. But I mean, the bottom line is, 
you've got these Fortune 500 companies, and they bring these guys in, and these guys help make their business better. I've done it in the restaurant business. My brother and I brought in a consultant, and he basically broke down everything that is the San Diego Chicken Pie Shop, our family restaurant that turned 81 years old this year. And he did everything from the standpoint of how do you make your food, how efficient you are with your food, how much are you charging, how much how much are you spending on the food to bring it in. I mean, he, he broke down everything. So most businesses do this. But to have baseball people do it from a standpoint of baseball ops, now it'd be one thing if you brought in like a McKinsey here for the A's and they're going to take a look at A's access and they're going to take a look at, you know, your, your, your sales department. They're going to look at your marketing department and all the different departments that the A's have, right? And we're going to try and make you more efficient. We're going to try and help you run your business better. We're going to help you make more money. We have these ideas. That would be one thing. But this is baseball ops. You're bringing non-baseball people into your realm, and they're taking a look at it, and they're going, huh, well, if we did X, Y, and Z, this would be better. This would help you be more efficient. This will help you find better players. This will help you make your players better. And who is the one team that everybody has been saying is the best at taking other people's players and making them better? That would be the 2017 world champion Houston Astros. The Houston Astros right now are the leader in the clubhouse, and the A's have once been this team. But right now, if you talk around the circles of baseball, the Astros are looking at certain players and they're going, you know what, if we get this guy, Verlander, Garrett Cole, Josh Reddick, we get these guys, we're going to make them better players. And that's really where we are with the game. The days of Moneyball, it's over. And Moneyball, and we've talked with David Force about this. David, David Force, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, will join us Friday. Friday at 1.30. At 1.30. You know, David lived through it, and I, and I mention this all the time, and I'm going to keep doing it so people really understand. You know, it was about finding diamonds in the rough, but you did it through math. You did it through numbers. Bill James said, if you take this, divide it by that, times it by that, and then you come up with this number. That's what sabermetrics is. Sabermetrics was numbers. This, what, what the Astros and what a lot of people are doing now, this has nothing to do with numbers. These are high-tech cameras. It's radar. It's all this different stuff that they're using. This isn't... This isn't how you calculate war. This isn't isn't weighted runs created plus. These are this is expensive equipment that they are using. It's science. Statcast is science. When you when you track a player saying the player started here and he had to travel X amount of feet at, and he's running this fast and this is how he made the catch, that's not numbers. 
That's radar. It's science. They're coming up with these numbers through science and engineering. They have these high-tech cameras that they take X amount of pictures per second that show how the ball is coming out of your hand. And you could see immediately the feedback on, like, an iPad. And so if I'm in the bullpen and I throw a sweet slider and it feels good coming out of my hand, I immediately can see, okay, this is what it looked like coming out of my hand. That can help me visualize what it looked like coming out of my hand. They got all this kind of stuff. Driveline up in uh, the Pacific Northwest where the A's visited when I was up there uh, with the athletics in Seattle. It's, it's all this stuff that they're not doing sabermetrics anymore. This, this is the new realm of baseball and how to make baseball players better and to find baseball play. Yeah, they don't really use scouts. I mean, they have some scouts. But what the Astros did and what we found out, and it kind of freaked everybody out, was the Astros. So you could pay any video company. There's companies everywhere. You can pay a company, hey, go film this guy. Take three cameras. Let's say it's a pitcher. Kid, I don't know, give me a town. Give me a, give me a, give me, give me one of those towns around where you grew up, Cody. Let's give you my hometown, Jeanette, Pennsylvania. Jeanette, Pennsylvania. I have no idea where Jeanette is. Are you east, middle, or west? Uh, we, I'm on the western part of the state, home of Terrell Pryor, former Raiders quarterback. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> you know, some people on the eastern part of uh, Pennsylvania consider western Pennsylvania Midwest more than you consider it East Coast. The great Matt Steinmetz always used to say I'm from the Midwest. <laughs> yes, that's that's where I got that. Matt Steinmetz would always be Pittsburgh. That's not East Coast. That's Midwest. <laughs> Steiny's a beauty. So we go to where? Where was it again? Jeanette, Pennsylvania. Jeanette, Pennsylvania. Well, I can find a video company, and I can say, okay, I'm going to look at Matt Steinmetz. And Matt Steinmetz pitching for your high. What's your high school? The Jayhawks. The Jayhawks. Matt Steinmetz is pitching for the Jayhawks. So what I do, and I don't know exactly how they do this, by the way. Uh, yoga's now over. A lot of cheering, a lot of clapping. I'm not sure if you guys can hear it through our mics, but uh, yoga's over. They're cheering. and It looks like have, it would have been great to be down on the field. We could have done yoga during the show. We could have done Ace Cats Live while doing yoga. These are headsets. I've never done yoga. Me either. I do the, like, I'm, as I laid out the other day, I do the meditation. I just don't do the yoga. Okay. Maybe you should incorporate uh, both. As a 30-year-old now, it's all downhill. I'm not flexible like that anymore. Oh, I can't imagine. I barely got out of bed in the morning. I paddleboarded for a week, and I'm still sore. I'm supposed to go kayaking this weekend. With Are the, you going to Santa Cruz? No, no. Go, go kayaking in Mendocino. Oh, did you, in, in the ocean? Uh, I, I don't, I don't in know. In the ocean? I didn't set this up. I'm telling you, right. I never I never finished my shark thing. Oh, yeah. We get it. We'll get back to that. All right. What time is it? Yeah, Mark DeRosa coming up. Dero, The voice of MLB The Show. Well, one of them. Who have all been on this program now. He's he's the man. Have we had everybody on? Yeah, so we have Plesak. He's one, he's on there. Oh, Vaskersian's the main guy. Oh, you know who we haven't had who I love? Al Leiter. Uh, Al Leiter's very good, yes. I'm a big Al Leiter guy because Al Leiter was money back in the day. The one thing I want to say about the Astros, and I forgot to bring this up to you earlier, when we were talking about them doing the bringing in McKenzie in to look at their baseball ops, how, look at how many guys that have left to take different jobs with the Astros. Now, I've heard before that some guys disagree with Luno's philosophies and stuff. Do you think that that was kind of like what happened with one? Do you really think? I mean, I, I know it's a general manager job, but if you're Mike Elias and Sig Dell who came on with us when the Orioles were in town, 
Do you think that was a job they're like, I'm, I, I can't wait to go take a job and be the GM of the Baltimore Orioles? Like, I, I feel like something like that where some of these guys, maybe there's rifts between them and Luno, and he brought these guys in to consult, and he was like, you know what, maybe we're just going to – if you've ever seen the movie Office Space. Wow, bring, you are totally a conspiracy person. Yeah, well, I mean, I read, I read Astro Watch, a great book, and, and I read some stuff about how some guys don't, just don't completely agree with, with what Luno's been doing. I, I wouldn't agree with that. I'm not going I'm, I'm to say you're wrong. I mean, you could be right. I don't know. We're not there. But what I'm going to say is the reason why you're able to get that job is because the franchise stinks. If the franchise was winning, then you wouldn't change general managers. So you, if you're going to get a general manager's job, remember, there's only 30 of them. In the, there's only 30 jobs. So if a job's open, whether it's the Orioles or the Kansas City Royals or whoever it is, you take that job if you want to be a general manager. Another guy that worked on him was David Stearns, the now baseball president of baseball officer of the Brewers, but he was a GM when he took that job. It's just And I guarantee you're getting paid a hell of a lot more money as a general manager than you are as assistant general well, manager. Well, yeah, of course. So, but these guys, so they go to like your high school and they put a camera behind home plate, put a camera probably towards the dugout on the first base side, third base side, maybe a camera in center field. And you get all these angles of this kid, and then you bring it back to Houston, and you put it through whatever technology they have. So I'm sure they're able to figure out with their technology, spin rate, spin efficiency, all the different things that they look for in pitchers, do the same thing for hitters. And there's so much information, too, now, because all the top kids are playing in showcases. And so they have the devices that they put on the bat so they know what your launch angle is. They know what your bat speed. They know all. I mean, and, and, and they have the track man going at these showcases. So all this information, you know, because that's, that's something you definitely want to see. You want to see the kids all playing it, the best kids all playing against each other at these showcases so you get to see. You know, it's not like back in the day, like when I was playing, you know, if you were a kid out in the middle of nowhere, knowing, you know, you just hope a scout saw you. Now these kids all play against each other. Travel ball. And that's why these kids are coming up younger. They've been playing in higher pressure situations at a younger age than they ever did before. Willie Mays didn't play in something like that. You know, Ted Williams didn't play in something like that. They didn't have showcases. They didn't have travel ball. These guys are coming up ready to rock, and they're fearless. These young players coming up today are absolutely fearless. That's, that's, that's my thing about Franklin Barreto. It's like everybody keeps telling me he's 23. Well, I was told he was a star. And if he was a star, he'd be starting every day. Mike Trout, star. He's pretty good. Machado, Harper, these guys were all playing at 19-20. Look at Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. These guys are, you know, they weren't saying, oh, my God, he's just 23. I mean, he's been in pro ball for a long time. Well, I wanted to ask you this because you talked about the Astros making players better before we bring Dero on. Uh, who would be scarier for the Astros if they picked them up? Would you be more afraid if they got Noah Syndergaard, Thor? Yes. Or Trevor Bauer? Yes. Noah Syndergaard. You think uh, the reason I brought up Bauer is because Bauer buys into all this stuff with spin rate, spin efficiency. He, he doesn't have – he he – Syndergaard, Thor, you pick up a guy who's got the ability to throw 100 miles an hour 
And as Sarah Langs, I love Sarah Langs. As Sarah Langs told us, the slider hasn't been the same. Okay, look what they did for Verlander. You now take Thor and let the Astros make him better? Stuff plays in the postseason. Can you imagine as a hitter, three straight days, you're going Thor, Verlander, Cole. Can you imagine that? That's that's really scary because the three guys you think of anymore that go long into games are Cole, Verlander, and Max Scherzer. The three guys I think have to go long into games anymore because everyone's using the bullpenning strategy are those three guys, and two of them are on the same team. And, and he, if you get Cindergard, and you make Cindergard, you bring him in, and you and you start working your voodoo because they got some voodoo. The Astros got voodoo, and whatever they're doing, it's working. Well, it's not working right now because they're leaking oil. But go check out this article if you uh, if you are uh, a subscriber to the Athletic. It is it's business, and there's nothing wrong with being cutthroat in business. And that's why I can't. Mark DeRosa will be fun to talk to him and ask him about this. And I, I'm not sure if he's read this or not, and, and what he thinks about it, and and have they talked about it on the MLB Network? Because let's face it, when teams win, it's the great story about Moneyball. <laughs> is this from Amelia? That's from Amelia, yeah. So Amelia, who works for us, used to work for the MLB Network, she wants me to ask uh, Dero what he eats for breakfast. All right, we'll get into that. But i got to ask him about this and if they've addressed Do we have him? Mark, this is Chris Townsend with the Oakland Athletics and Ace Cast Live. We really appreciate you coming on today. We're all a big fan of you and the MLB Network. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Amelia, hey, she played a huge part in starting that show. So if she wants to know what I had for breakfast, I'll tell you guys. I, I swear everybody we've brought on just gushes about her. We love her to death. She's absolutely phenomenal. But it's like uh, when she left, that was a, a, a big hurt for you guys. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I look back because we always at the end of the year would have like an end of the year party. I look back at some of those early photos and – We've lost a lot of people along the way to greener pastures, and Amelia was uh, I mean, just a huge loss for us. I mean, she's the creator of the opening for the deep dive. She's the creator for the opening of Dr. D-Row. She played a, she played a huge role in, uh, in kind of setting that show up. You do a phenomenal job of, of breaking this game down, and we just had on – a, a writer from The Athletic who has done a fascinating piece. It's about a 14-page article about how the Houston Astros have brought in one of the big consulting firms, a consulting firm that would be working with a Fortune 500 company. And, and the Astros brought this McKinsey and company to come in and not look at, like, marketing and tickets and make, it's about their baseball ops have you heard about this and it's kind of crazy to think that a baseball team would open up their baseball ops to a consulting firm zero dropped off so i was asking you about I, I no problem i was asking you about the uh the article that we just had the author on from the athletic talking about mckinsey company it's a consulting firm that works with a lot of fortune 500 companies and they come in and they help make your business better. But this is not like marketing and tickets and making money. This is about Jeffrey Luno and the baseball ops because he actually used to work for them. 
I mean, it's just crazy to think that you would bring in a consulting firm to work on your baseball ops. Have you heard about this, and have you guys discussed this uh, on the network? Great job, Cody. You're really killing it. <laughs> it's not the millennial technology. And, and it's not millennial technology because we're using millennial hard- technology stinks. We're using a hard line for this. Back so. in the day, he's on a hard line. No, we are. So oh. We're using Wi-Fi or we're using an Ethernet connection. So it's not us. It's Brian Kinney. Brian Kinney's phone, the flip phone. We got to ask him if he's using Brian Kinney's phone. That is hilarious. All right, let's try I, this again. W- I will get this question out. This will work. This will work. I'm hoping it will work. Do we have you, Mark? I hope it's not me. <laughs> are, are, are you? So when we had Brian Kenny on, he, he has like a flip phone. I'm like, wait a minute, you're Mister. You're like Mister Analytics, and you got a flip phone. I want. Are you? Are you using Brian Kenny's phone? I swear to you, I am in the. I am in a perfect area with full bars right now. I don't understand what's happening. Well, you know what? This is the Oakland Coliseum. It wouldn't be the first time something broke around here. <laughs> <laughs> so I was asking you about uh, about the McKinsey Company. That's this uh, consulting firm that works with a lot of Fortune 500s, and, and, and they come in and they help make your business better. And Jeffrey Luno has brought them into the Astros, but it's not about, you know, tickets and marketing. It's about baseball ops. I don't know. Have you guys talked about this? It's pretty crazy to think that a baseball team would open up its baseball operations to a consulting firm. I, I completely agree. It's funny that you say that because every day I wake up in the morning and I kind of go through Twitter and social media and I like a bunch of the articles that I'm that I'm going to read leading up to the day. And I swear to you, athletic is one of the biggest, kind of one of my biggest things I jump off of that kind of spur some ideas for me when I head into the production meeting. And I, I actually saw that and liked it and hadn't, hadn't gotten around to reading it yet, but Hey, that's that's the world we live in right now. Any anything to make you a little bit better, to get you that little bit of edge um, in talking to a lot of players. The stuff that we used to value, they don't value as much. The hitters meetings that we used to have, and the stuff that we used to go over, and the information we wanted. I mean, the stuff they're going over now is completely different, and it, and to be honest, it makes a heck of a lot more sense. Uh, when I go back and look at my stats on the back of my baseball card, it's funny. The numbers I used to value, I shouldn't have. Yeah. And I hate saying that. It's, that's just the bottom line. When I look at some of the years I had in my career, I'm like, oh, you were, you were a lot better than you thought you were here, and maybe not as good as you thought you were this year, so... I, I like I like all the information. I, I, I was a, I was kind of a stat rat in that regard. I studied video to to the nth degree to kind of formulate game plans. I was not a guy that just sat fastball and adjusted. I was a guy that kind of guessed educatedly every pitch. Uh, so I, I'm kind of into where all the where all the numbers are. And with that said, the Astros are struggling. They're leaking oil for the first time. And with, yeah. the, and with the A's winning today, they've won six straight, eight of nine, 12 of 14. They've, er- they've erased the deficit. Right now it sits at four. And if the Astros lose again tonight, it's going to be three and a half by tomorrow. What do you think about this race in the AL West? It has dramatically changed. You know, it's funny when I was coming on with you guys, the first thing I always do is, is go over who's hot, who's not, look at the stats. 
Loved the Homer Bailey pickup, faced him a ton, multiple no-hitters. Obviously, his split was on today, just gives you a different look. You put him in a pennant race, he kind of lights up a little bit, so I dig that. I think Oakland's one of those clubhouses that you can walk into and they kind of wrap their arms around you like band of misfits, let's get it done. Um, I kind of buy into all of that. But Oakland, I want want to see what Billy Bean's going to do to kind of keep going. In talking to him and having him on the show a couple times, I love the fact that he says we're a transaction-based team. We're going to make moves. We're not going to be all homegrown, even though Olsons and Chapmans of the world are, are, are your two biggest players, and they are homegrown. So if I'm a betting man, I'm staying with the Astros just because of the horses and, and the pedigree, but stranger things have happened. And when you talk about evaluating talent right now, we know for sure that the ball is different. I've had an astrophysicist come on as she's broken down the baseball. It's different this year. The commissioner is now really admitting it. I mean, we had six home runs today for the A's. A couple of them were pop flies that went out. They're using the same ball in AAA, record home runs down there. How hard is it right now heading into the trading deadline and even like going into next year's free agency to evaluate people with with just how many home runs are flying out of the ballpark? What's real, what's not? Yeah, yeah, honestly, it's a great question. It actually, it ticks me off because I would have loved to have played with this baseball. I think I would, you know, obviously would have thought – much higher of myself as, as a player. Um, it is what it is. It's, it, it's level playing ground for everyone. It's not like it's just blowing out in certain parts and not blowing, not blowing out for other teams. I mean, I mean, it is what it is. Guys are hitting. I saw Pete Alonzo take one into the third deck in, in target field today on, on a hanging slider. I've seen Dansby Swanson. I live in the Atlanta area, have 17 home runs. When there was question coming into spring training, was he was he going to be an offensive player? And now he's moving balls to right center. So I I don't see it changing. I don't see it changing. Maybe if they go, that would be have to be something that would be addressed in the off season. But you kind of liken it, and I hate to liken it back to to the steroid era, but, but what's real and what's not, I think it made it hard for the GMs to, to make moves in that era as well. And what, who was going to show up to spring training and what production they were going to get. So I think you, at the end of the day, you go with the best ball players. I think the guys who hit the 30, 35 home runs, maybe they hit the 25, uh, 20, 25 home runs, but they're still the best ball player. I always remember this. I always remember this because he's a good friend. Andrew Jones said, that once they started testing, I was that he was going to lead the league in homers, and he was and he was right. <laughs> he always <laughs> believed that he was one of the premier home run hitters, and and he didn't have to cheat to be that. So, I hate to I hate to liken it to the steroid era, but at times it seems like you don't know what's real and what's not. Well, I'll tell you this: you know, you have Chris Davis, the only guy to hit forty home runs three straight years. He hit yeah. 48 last year, but, man, he is just – everybody's hitting home runs but him right now. It's almost like we need a Dr. D-Row on KD because they, KD <laughs> has lost his pop. What happened? Yeah, KD is – we've analyzed him 18 different ways. He's a guy who steps in the bucket but keeps his, his shoulders square to the plate and plays with the big part of the field and has oppo power for days and – 
I'm telling you, we've had Matt Olson on, we've had Chapman on, we've had, you name it, Loriano on. And it's one of the questions that gets asked is about KD and how he's able to generate so much power. And, and I, I mean, even guys on his own team don't, can't, can't put a finger on it. So I always believe, and we're seeing it now, over the course of 162, you are who you are. So I got to believe at some point he gets rolling. And I got maybe at the right time, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, what, as long as everybody's hitting him now, and then he gets healthy, and then he starts hitting him. Wow, you start exactly. looking at Oakland's offense. I, you know, for you, this is like the perfect role. At what point, when when you were hired by the network and you started doing television, and you're breaking down swings, and you guys are laughing and have a good time, when, when was that point where you went, oh yeah, this is for me? You know, it's funny. It kind of just evolved. Uh, I got asked to do a couple postseasons. Just, just for free to go up there and see if if I liked it, and I guess for them to see if they like it. I think for me, I was never hitting was always very difficult for me. I wasn't the best hitter on my college team. I was never the best hitter on any minor league team I came up through. So I had to study, ask questions, try different things, try different bat models, stand in different spots in the box, study video differently. I picked everyone's brain. I was. I mean, I remember at 30 years old signing with Texas and, and changing everything um, offensively. So it's it's always been a passion of mine to kind of try and understand how guys make it make it look so easy and how guys can roll out of bed and be so successful at what I think is the hardest thing to do in all of sport. Um, I always felt defensively and arm and acumen for the game i kind of had i kind of had a feel for but i always felt like man if somebody could locate heaters in i was dead and i swung at sliders in the dirt until i was 32 years old and my old man used to say i don't understand how you can continually swing at the same pitch all the time like i i just don't understand that (laughs) so it was always it's always for me kind of educating myself and, and trying to pick the brains of the great players. And then I guess through luck and being a utility guy and trades and, and, and bouncing around to all the different divisions, I, I kind of got a feel for East coast baseball. I got a feel for West coast, middle America. I touched kind of every division. So I just enjoyed it. And I, I felt like the guys there, there was good. There was great stories to be told. And I, I I believe Ramon Laureano's story is just as exciting as Matt Chapman's is just as exciting as Matt Olson. So everybody's got a different way of getting to the big leagues. And I, I, I felt like the truth needed to be told. <laughs> well, one of your old teams has caught fire, the San Francisco Giants. And, and our old friend, Farhan Zaidi, uh, who used to work here with the Athletics, cut his teeth here under Billy Bean, now running the show mm-hmm. over there. They've won five in a row. They're just two and a half back of the wild card. But everybody thinks they need to be sellers because they have nothing in their farm system. Is this just hot streak of mirage? Well, they're still minus 38 in run differential. What What do you do if you're running the Giants? You know, yeah, I, my only thing is the more I look at this, is what are you truly getting back for Madison Bumgarner? Because if you're not getting back two pieces that are going to significantly help your team in the future, 
then why wouldn't you let Bochi have his last hurrah and, you know, see what happens along those lines? If you want to move a Will Smith or a Tony Watson or a bullpen piece like that or a Pablo Sandoval, I get it. But, but I just feel like it's just set in stone that they're going to move Bumgarner, but our team's really going to bank up the truck to give you what you need in return because their, their farm system is bare minus a few guys, Joey Bart, uh, I think, I don't know how to pronounce Helio Ramos is a, is a big prospect with them. So I, I know this, I had a chance to sit with Boach and kind of interview him uh, two, three weeks ago. We drove to the field together and I loved where he was at. He was like, I'm, I'm going to ride this out with a smile on my face, no matter what, because so many guys on this roster have meant so much to my success and, and, and winning three world series. So I would love to see him have one more hurrah. I'm sure Madison Bumgarner could have been traded in spring training. And I'm sure Farhan said, you know what? Let me see how, how we start. Let me see what's going on. Let me give Boach an honest chance at this. And they're in it. So I, I, I don't – I heard Mike Lowell today on MLB Central kind of filling in for me talk about the fact that, that Madison's going to go. And, and he probably will. But, man, you look back at most of these trades, and I just don't see like a barn burner like – future awesome player coming back for, for in, in a deal for him. Let's end on this. And I know Amelia wants you to come out and be a manager here with the green and gold. She's told me <laughs> about that. You know, with all the stuff you talked about yourself, really being a gym rat and studying and, 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 and being that guy. And it's been a trend to have analysts become managers. Have you thought yeah. about being a manager? Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. I actually interviewed for two of them. I interviewed for the Marlins job uh, two years ago. And to be completely honest, I was smitten with the idea of even being asked. So I went through the process. and Obviously, Don Mattingly left L.A. and, and kind of was handpicked and rightfully so. That's kind of bizarre because his posters were on my wall. So to sit there and, and say, wow, I interviewed for a position Don Mattingly was inter- interviewing for was pretty cool in and of itself. And then two years ago, or last year, I interviewed for the Mets job when Mickey Calloway got it. And, and I, I went after it. I, I mean, I honestly went in there. I, if it's going to happen for me. It's going to happen on my terms. And, and what I mean by that is I'm going to go in there. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell you what I value. I'm going to tell you what I feel about your roster and and I, I'm a people guy. I'm, I'm a big believer in chemistry. I'm a big believer in open lines of communication. I think that works. So, uh, you know, I've had, I've had managers like Bobby Cox say things to me like, I don't think you can play every day and we're going to move you in the off season. And that those were tough things to hear, but I never got in a car and drove home at night wondering where I stood on the Atlanta Braves roster. Now that changed, you know, there's, there's a totem pole in, in my opinion, in the clubhouse and you better know where you stand on it on a day-to-day basis. And I kind of always felt like I had a good feel for that. Cause I wasn't afraid to, to hear the truth or tell a teammate the truth. And that's kind of how I, how I view that whole situation. If it, if, if it lines up, I would love to be in a position to help guys get better and, and, and to put guys in, in a position to be successful and try and win a World Series. 
I, I would I, I would love to see it, but se- selfishly, I never want to see you leave uh, the network because what you do on there is superior stuff. We're big fans, and we'd love to have you on the program again. I could talk to you all day about baseball. Continued success, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, guys. Mark DeRosa. How good was that? How good was that? How good's D row? I'm just excited now that we've had the entire broadcast crew of MLB the show on. Now we how many how many shows? Not just the Bay Area. How many shows in in America can say they've had every guy from MLB the show on? Amelia, we love you. Thank you. I mean that that guy that what he just said is so real and right and reminds me of Bob Melvin. And you, I think a lot of you know about my relationship with Bob Melvin. I have a very, very good relationship with Bob Melvin. And we can sit here all we want with computers, numbers, radar, stat cast, track man. What's the new one called again? Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah, TrackMan's going to be out, by the way. I don't know if everybody – so Major League Baseball, I guess the deal is up. Hawkeye, which we saw at Wimbledon across the pond, what they use in tennis, is what they're going to go to in baseball. You can use all of that, and I believe in all of that. And as a bad college pitcher, I wish I had that. But you're still dealing with human beings. You still have to know your players. You have to know what's going on with your players. You've got to be able to communicate with your players. It's one of the reasons why Bob Melvin has such respect. He mentioned Bochi. It's why Bochi has so much respect. Bochi's not a Bochi's not an analytics guy. That's not who he is. He's getting out of the business. Bochi is a leader of men. That's why he's been successful. Let's face it. When he had good teams in San Diego, he won and got the Padres of the World Series and matched up against arguably the greatest baseball team, at least modern-day baseball team of all time. That 98 Yankees team was incredible. They were incredible. They were a just, they just mauled you. And and it's what the players say about Melvin. You're not always going to like, and we all know front offices are – a huge part of the game. And players, you know, you don't have the GM and the VP of baseball operations walking around the clubhouse going, you're not playing, you're playing, you're doing. No, that all goes through the manager. The manager has to be the guy that gives the news. When you're playing, how you're playing, and not every player is going to like it. But if you communicate the right way, if you have good personal skills, if you're able to deal with the player man-to-man, be honest with them, that's a real big key. We're still in a people business. It's still We're still dealing with human beings. And, you know, some guys, you know, they're going through some stuff. Look what we've seen. You know, a lot of people don't know. You know, we... We know what happened to Stephen Piscotti's mother. A lot of people don't know. Yes, Meryl Petit's mom died too. Same year. 
You have deaths in the family. You could have issues with your children. We've seen players whose wives have just given birth, and then there's issues with the, the, chi- with the baby. You don't know if a player's going through a divorce. I mean, this is real stuff. It's real life. They're not robots. You think they're robots. Boo his ass because he struck out. Boo him because you think, ah, we're paying this guy X amount of millions of dollars. He should hit a home run every single time. That's not how life works. And that's why the best managers, they know their players. They know when their players are hurting. They know when their players are having troubles at home. They know when their players are having any kind of issues. Yes, and then throw all the analytics on there. That's why the Yankees wanted Bob Melvin. Because Brian Cashman knew. He knew that Bob could handle the New York media. He at the time, no, he was back living in Berkeley. But Bob used to live in New York. So he knows the city. He was working for the Mets. He knows the city. He could handle the media. He knows analytics. The New York Yankees, the biggest team in Major League Baseball and arguably the number one professional sports franchise in the United States of America sports history, wanted Bob Melvin. That's all you need to know. Before they took Aaron Boone, they called the A's, and the A's said, no, you can't talk to him. Thank God. Can you imagine not having him here? Can you imagine not having Bob Melvin? Why do you think I was up in arms all last year going, sign him, sign him, sign him? I guarantee you, if Bob Melvin was out on the market, he would be the San Francisco Giants manager next year. I get I, 100%. Bob has known Larry Bear for a long time. Larry Bear, who's back with the Giants. What scared the hell out of me was if Bob didn't get signed or something went on and they parted ways, I really think the first guy on the phone would have been Artie Moreno and the Angels. Angels Angels have spent a ton of money, and they keep losing to Bob Melvin's team. You don't think Artie Moreno with all that money is going to be coming for, for, for Bob Melvin? Can you imagine looking over there and you're like, oh, my God, he's got Mike Trout. He's got Mike. I mean, that would be a horrible scenario. Horrible. That's why we are very lucky to have our skipper. But DeRosa reminds me of him. Now, I don't know him. Everybody everybody that knows him says he's like the, like the greatest guy. But I think he would be a good manager. But I don't want to see him leave. I love the MLB Network. I don't want to see him leave. Okay, coming up next... Bip Roberts, one of my favorite, I say it all, I gush over Bip because I grew up watching Bip in San Diego. Bip was one of my favorite players. Switch hitter, tough, steel bags, was a little guy with a little pop. Bip, I was a big fan of Bip Roberts. And now I've been very fortunate to do television with him, to do radio with him, and we always love bringing him on the show. Former A, a kid from Oakland, a former All-Star, will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. 
This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Go for Yelich! Tony Bellinger hits one out. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All right. Remember, you can text us. We don't take phone calls, but we can text at 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322. So somebody sent me a text earlier when I guess when we were on with Ben Ross talking about how you got to be in our territory. And a guy from the 707 says, not that hard to fake your GPS or location. And that was a 446. So I had no idea, like, what's he talking about? Because sometimes when you have a te- when you have a, uh, a texting platform, people will text, but they, they're not trying to text you. They're trying to text somebody else, and they just messed up the number. So I was like, what? And from the 707, he says, it's not really hard to fake your GPS on any electric device to bypass restrictions. Usually you have to do that to watch blackout games on MLB at bat on my phone. Huh. It's funny. Ruth from Shout uh, told me the same thing earlier. Hi, Ruth. Ruth said she what she does is. Well, she gets to listen to us, so she doesn't have to do that. But she said when she, what she does is she lis- uses VPN, and then when you're done with that, you can change your location. And she says she's in San Francisco, and that way you're able to listen to us on the on the TuneIn app if you're not in our our uh, geofenced location. From four eight zero, y'all should have Voos on the show. We are. We're gonna have Steve Voos and John, and we're gonna be doing a um, part of our part of A's cast. What we do is green and gold history, and so we're gonna get them on green and gold history, and it'll be a part of here A's cast live. Do we have my guy? Bip Roberts, former All-Star, hey. one of my favorite players all time, joins us here on A's Cast Live. Bip, your A's are hot. Man, Tali, do you feel that energy, man? I feel the energy right now. And let me just say this. I don't know why it always happens around this time, but I don't know if you could bottle that up and, and sell it around the league. I think every team will be looking to buy some of that, and, and it's just called unity. It, it's called all of a sudden things just start to happen, and when your team is good, they make things happen like this, and we see a good team right now. Yeah, I, I, I've been asking a bunch of people, especially people who've been around here for a long time, because, like, it's BIP. It's like ever since, like, the year 2000 and to where we are today, there's been different managers, different coaches, different players what is it about this organization they don't get out to a hot start but then when they are good they just kick it into gear june and july and it's off to the races i mean that's almost 20 years of doing it you know i was fortunate enough to be in that clubhouse at one time and i got my one run i got a chance to play with ricky my idol forever and the clubhouse is different and it's a clubhouse where you don't feel anything 
that pulls you away from your team. You don't feel it at all. It, it, it's, 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 it's where you're so close in there, and these guys' mental outlook is so different than most organizations that they're able to cruise. And I don't mean cruise through the season, but for guys like me who was fiery and, and every day was like the stock market up and down, these guys, this organization, the clubhouse, is one of the coolest clubhouses that I've ever been at or been associated with. And I don't know if it's something that is taught, but the year I spent there was one of the best years in a clubhouse that I'd ever had. And it was only half a season. But then when you go in there now, it's the same type of clubhouse. There's nobody in there rah-rah. There's nobody taking over the clubhouse. There's nobody trying to be in front. There's nobody acting as if the team is theirs. There's none of none of that type of stuff. It's 25 guys, and, and they're brothers, man. And, and it's, the real, it's the real sense of what brotherhood is. And off the field, they're, they're still one together. And, and that's the key, too. That clubhouse is an extension of who they are as people, and those guys are really who they are when you see them on the field. There's none of that fake stuff. And you, you, you can't get away with fake in Oakland. We know fake. This is real. I don't know why it is, but it's the same thing as the Warriors type thing. It's a family thing. When you're from Oakland, we family. Don't come with the fake stuff. Let's keep it real. Yeah, and then tell us what the difference is being in a bad clubhouse. How miserable is that? Well, you have then people are trying to get numbers because it's about a job. And you're trying to survive. So it becomes survival of the fittest. And you have to have this mentality of really take no prisoners. After every day when your job is to get the W, to get an L, because then changes happen. People's careers are disrupted, and you never know what could happen. You could be here today and gone tomorrow. So when you get to that point, you just have to let it all go. Whatever it is is inside of you. You have to give it all every day, and hopefully you don't get tired. You know, me, I used to get tired, man. I'll tell you, because I had to give more out of this little body than probably most people <laughs> did. And um, people knew that, hey, man, he, he gets tired because I might be on base four times one day, and, and I'm running and diving and play two or three positions that day, and hell, yeah, I'm tired the next day. So I get it. It's a tough grind. Tough grind, but when, when you're losing, it, it becomes double that. So it's better to be on a winning team, definitely. Yeah, I know, knowing you and what you put on defense, watching this team, you can talk about home runs, you can talk about a lot of different things, but wouldn't you say the hallmark of this team this year and last year is how good the defense is? Solid. They don't make errors that are routine like they used to make. Everyone, when you go around that, that infield and outfield, makes the plays. And it's because I believe they study. They understand what the hitters are doing. But for the most part, they have talent. You, you know, you have to have talent, first of all. And then instincts and IQ to go with it. They have that. And, man, it's just it's nice to watch where guys make the plays. That's what happens in the big leagues. You make the plays. The teams that make the plays win. The teams that don't make the plays, they don't win. And the A's make the plays. These guys 
are solid. These are big league guys who, you know, if they keep their heads right, they're going to be around a long time. And you think about what you saw today, you know, it's not easy making a debut for a team, especially when a team has come out and traded for you and he hadn't pitched since July 4th. How did you think Homer Bailey did today? Uh, I I thought he did really well. Again, County, it goes back to that clubhouse. I don't think anybody went to him and said, you know what, man, you're on the mound today. You got to do this. You have to do this. And you have to make sure that we – it wasn't even like that. I'm sure they just said, all right, hey, Homer's on the mile. Let's go. This is what we do. And I, I just believe that he could fit right in because there's, there's not that pressure. We're not on the East Coast where every day, you know, in New York or Boston, you get grilled if you want to lose the way you play. It, you might win, but if somebody struggled, they talk about the guy that struggles. But here, it doesn't matter. That guy's not, he's not going to be uh, under the microscope. <laughs> And, and you're not going to get those tough questions. But the A's, again, as a family and the way they do things here, and it's just one of those things where everything is meshing right now. Homer fits right in. He's going to be okay because the guys in the clubhouse are leaders. Well, that, that's, you know, it's great stuff seeing Bailey come out here and give the A's really what they needed, right? They need, they need somebody that's going to give them a veteran presence, going to give them some innings, some quality innings, and that time to be able to rest that bullpen. I want to talk to you about Franklin Barreto. Franklin's getting his opportunity. He's hitting 152 right now. We know he has the tools. If you could sit down with Franklin to get him right, what would you say? I would tell him that this league – is it's based on you relaxing and playing your game. I've, I've felt where he's been before at 22 when I first came up with the Padres, when I was at Rule 5 and I was supposed to replace Alan Wiggins, who was a bona fide base dealer, fastest man I'd ever seen. And I was supposed to come in and replace him. And at 22, being young and brash, I thought I could do that. So it took two years for me to, you know, have a foot put up my you-know-what to understand that you have to have understand how this game works and make adjustments according to how it works. And your muscle memory would dictate if that works in a game. And so I had to learn that, and I had the veteran guys teach me that. They always said, you can hit. And I kept saying, man, yeah, I can hit, but you guys have taught me something I didn't know how to do. And that was to use the opposite field to set up the whole field. And he's got to do that more. He's got to use that right center field to set up the entire field because they're throwing that fastball a middle away, and then they're throwing a slider off of it away and away, and he's chasing it. So he either has to understand how to stay inside that ball going the other way or take that pitch because he can't hit that slider. That is like the right-hander's kryptonite, though. Easier said than done because when a guy can bring it, and then he has a good slider, man, he's he going to own you. But the good hitters foul those pitches off or they take them. But I think mentally, if you can relax, then you can play your game. And when he gets up here, he's not as relaxed as he is in AAA. He's got to carry that over to the big league. But he's got to come here with the, the ability to make adjustments. And, and I think his offense – it's where he gets his confidence from. So, you know, he, he's got to make these adjustments and he's got to stick to them. 
that approach is key, Tony. If, if you don't have that approach each and every time, then you become inconsistent. And that's why guys like Gwen and the, the prolific 300 hitters, they have, you know exactly what they're going to do. So they do it every time because it's what they do. Tony used to say, you do what you do. Don't make it, don't allow him to do to you what he wants. Do what you do. And I think he has to be able to get to that point where he can do what he does. And isn't that the key why you switch hit? So, so as as a you you don't you're not susceptible to being the righty versus righty facing that deadly slider. I don't know how they do it, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they do it, man. I am blessed. I was so blessed to hit on both sides, man. I learned that at probably when I was about eight years old, seven eight years old. I switched hitting little league all my life. I switched hit, so that's who I was, and that's what I did, and carried it to the big leagues, but. I watched and I tried one time in instructional ball to hit right-handed against a right-hander, and I swung at a slider way in the other box. And I said, wow, I don't know. Wow, if I didn't switch it, ooh, it'd be a different story. So I have much respect for right-handers who are consistent against right-handed hitters, uh, right-handed pitchers, because that's not an easy job. It's, it's very tough. Hey, before you get out of here, you know, we always like to help promote your business. Tell tell everybody how they can get your net and how this training device is just phenomenal for everybody who plays the game, whether you're playing baseball, softball, it's perfect for everybody. Well, you know, we talk about the cutoff, man. It's something that really helps you get those repetitions that you need to get the muscle memory to become a better player. And it's used on just about – any baseball field that you can think of in any backyard, anywhere. And it just allows you, especially as a coach, if you have it on your field, to do a lot of different things within that hour and a half of practice that you get. And it's got uh, arrows in it, actually, to help you throw the targets and develop that muscle memory to hit a target. And the good thing about it now, Tony, is that more people are using one, two, three, four on the field at a time. And I think what happened was once that started happening, we were able to find manufacturers who could, you know, help us lower the price. So we got it down to 250 now, which I think is a steal. People say, man, B, that, that is just too low for this thing. But, you know, I want everybody to have it so that, you know, we continue to develop great baseball players, players who have, you know, the talents of like what, what when you see the guys on our team play with, you know, because now they understand how to throw the targets and, and make the plays because they have that, everyday consistency and and this here in your backyard turning double plays or out on the field getting extra reps it makes you a better ball player and how can you find it it's on uh, teammate sports and you look up under the cutoff man and you'll you're able to see it you can either i guess you can you can you can get one either on the website or you can use the number there and, and call and, and order one. Most of the time we have guys out right now in the city just out showing it to coaches and, and, and demonstrating it. And once they demonstrate it, the coaches love it and they end up purchasing the product. So I, I like I like that because you get a ground roots type of uh, you know, effort out there with knowing who the coaches are and the coaches know who you are and they know what the product is and then they know why they're buying the product. Bipster, you're the best, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, man, thanks for having me, brother. Hey, I know you're having fun, man. Continue to do so. It doesn't get any better than this. By the way, um, 
the San Diego Padres have never thrown a no-hitter before. So, it, you know what happens with having the MLB app? It sends you updates of stuff happening in baseball. And all of a sudden, it gets breaking. Chris Paddock has a no-no through seven. First batter of the eighth inning. Starling Castro. Starling Castro hits a home run. No, no, over. Do you remember how? Do you remember how the Padres got Chris Paddock? He was uh, traded with the Marlins. Fernando Rodney was the trade. Fernando Rodney. Twenty sixteen. I actually made fun of Chris Paddock today on the broadcast in my uh, fifth inning, sixth inning hit. So Chris Paddock making his Marlins debut. He was drafted by the Marlins. Never played for the Marlins. As you said, traded for Fernando Rodney uh, in June of 2016. He has a tattoo. I'm not into tattoos. I know Coco's into tattoos. Coco liked this tattoo. I said this is ridiculous. Chris Paddock inked his body for life with the number of 236. Why did he put 236 on his torso? Well, because he was drafted in the eighth round. So, to him, there are 235 mistakes made by Major League Baseball teams before they drafted him. So, he had to make it personal. He had to, it had to be the reminder. He tattooed 236 because the tattoo is what's going to get you to the big league. <laughs> Whenever I hear those stories, I think it's utterly ridiculous. Have you ever looked at that draft class, by the way? Uh, Dansby Swanson. Uh, this Alex Bregman kid's pretty good. I don't Who? Know I, I don't believe ever heard of him. Never he, heard of him. He's pretty good. Um, let's see. Andrew Benintendi's on the, is drafted in there. Uh, well, Kyle Tucker never made it for the Astros. I'm just looking through the list right now. James Caprillion, who's with who's with uh, with the A's and the minors. Out of UCLA. Walker Bueller was drafted in there in the first round. I he, think he's going to have uh, – he may be okay. Yeah, he, he Mike Soroka, the best pitcher for the Braves, is on this list. And there's a lot of guys who are drafted there, so I don't know if there's going to be 236 mistakes but or 335. But. Well, according to this guy – well, we actually saw him in spring training. I think there was – because I was down there for a week, and one of the games over at Hoho Cam – was uh, the A's and Padres, and when he pitched, it was kind of like, wow, this guy's got pretty good stuff. So he is he is pretty legit. But the no-no is over. We talked about mistakes, and, well, he served up a mistake to Starling Castro. Oh, yeah. That was a big mistake. You know, I, looking in our notes, yesterday we had such a jam-packed show that uh, looking at yesterday's notes – the names that are out there right now for starting pitchers, it's pretty amazing. Like, if you're telling me I can get Trevor Bauer, you're telling me I can get Noah Syndergaard with arbitration years left on that deal? Stroman is, has had Tommy John, but that doesn't freak anybody out anymore. Not sure if the Padres are selling yet. Kirby Yates. But there are some really good. Robbie Ray supposedly is going to be out there. Uh, Mike Miner's name was floated today. Him and I think John Morosi from Fox Sports was floating the name of, uh, if they want to do it, it's Luis Castillo, the Reds' best pitcher, which I don't understand why they'd want to do that. They're a young and up-and-coming team, but if you can get a haul for him, why not do it? 
But so those those could be two guys to add to the list. But Mike Miner is interesting because he's having a great year for a ta- uh, Rangers team that's while well, they're getting uh, a boat race right now by uh, by the Diamondbacks. Remember but when the remember when the Rangers were ahead of the A's? Boy, times have changed in a week. Boy, things have really dramatically changed. It's just you know, I was I was worried. When I was with the ball club in Anaheim, I got the dreaded Texas trip because Ken didn't want to do it. So I got the dreaded Anaheim to Texas to Tampa trip. And it was at that point you start thinking, okay, this, how's this going to go? Because some things haven't, you know, for the A's, they haven't turned around. I mean, Blake Trinan was warming up today in a game that was 8-2. to two. Blake Trinan. Blake Trinan pitched in a game today where it was, by the time he got in, after the last two-run shot by Profar, it was 10-2. to I mean, think about that. He was in a game that was 10-2. to Blake Trinan pitched in a game last night where it was 9-2. to This is somebody who had one of the greatest seasons of any pitcher in the history of the game. And now you're only putting them in games that are blowouts. So that hasn't righted itself. Trevino still doesn't have clean innings. He's been better, but not dominant. Chris Davis the guy who's dominated baseball in home runs, and in the year where the home runs at its best has completely fallen off. Chris Davis hit sixth today. Think about that. That tells you everything you need to know about what's going on with your DH. He was moved to the sixth spot. Wow. And he was moved to the sixth spot knowing Tommy Malone, the left-hander, was going to be the follower today. I mean, what's Bob going to do? He's not hitting. And he's not hitting for power. And it's got to be very, very frustrating. He was one for four today. KD's hitting 232. Now, of course, of course you don't care about the average. I get it. But... You do care about the player and him not driving the baseball at all. And I think Mark DeRosa, MLB Network, really said it best. So much of his power comes from his lower half. And what he means by stepping in the bucket, if you're listening to Mark DeRosa, stepping in the bucket means... You are taught as a hitter. So if I'm a right-hand hitter, your left leg, your left foot, you are taught back in the day, you were taught to take a little step forward, just a little step forward. Your hands would go back with the bat and a little bit step forward. Don't don't really move your head. So picture me standing up right now here in the booth. I got the bat in my hand. Do not, do not. You you know what? You are a millennial. You always got to be, I got to get a picture of this. I got to get a video. Get, live your life, man. Your life doesn't always have to be on your phone. I, I want to live stream the co- live stream the content. Why can't people see it? You want to live stream it? Yeah, why not? All right, let me get my hat on. Everybody, hold on. 
All right, I'm back. See, that's the thing. And I'm going to wait for... I, I, I'm going to give you a pet peeve. A, really a pet peeve of mine. And I really experienced it. Are, are, we, are we not on yet? We're doing two. We're doing two broadcasts at what time? At one time. What could possibly be wrong? We're on A's Cast Live, and what is this going to be on? What is this on? Our at Athletics Cast Twenty Four Twitter. Okay. Oh, so this is video. We're doing video. Yeah, you're on right now. You're live. Okay, we're live on video. This is a pet peeve of mine. People live their life like Cody, my producer. Everything's got to be on their phone. Every experience. You got to be able to live life without having to put it on your phone. Like, I never understood when I'm covering the Warriors, like doing the NBA Finals, like the introductions, everybody would hold their phones up and they'd tape it. Are you ever really going to watch that again? You don't have to videotape. You don't have to take pictures of every little thing. You can just experience life. Well, I was just trying to get a video of you demonstrating. But, hey, here we go. We're going to talk about Chris Davis and stepping in the bucket. So you were taught, right-handed hitter, you were taught, look at my foot, you were top either to pick it up or put it straight down or put it a little bit forward, a little bit forward. And at the same time, you cock your hands back. Not really moving your head. This is what you're taught. They didn't want you to do what Chris Davis does is step out. That's what you call stepping in the bucket because now you've taken all of your torso, you've taken your lower half, and you've lost your power, right? Your core, you've lost your power. You've stepped in the bucket, and now you're in trouble. Especially if the ball is going to be outside, you're done. Well, Chris Davis, because he generates so much power with his hips, he can step in the bucket and hit the ball out of the ballpark the other way. Do you see the other way? But the problem is he hurt his hip, and so now he has no lower half. And he's gutting it through right now. And that's why we're seeing so many weak ground balls. Remember, he steps in the bucket, so he's really his body's committed this way, but he's hitting the ball this way. But when he had that great power, and he could generate that power and hit out of the ballpark, now there's no power, and it's weak fly balls and ground balls. <sighs> they got to get him back on track. So my whole point here is things are going really good, but when I was worried, there still are some things for the A's, that are not going good. So can you imagine if they actually were firing on all cylinders? Can you imagine if you had Blake Trinan, Lou Trevino, Liam Hendricks? That's a three-headed monster that would be incredible. Can you imagine that? If you had Blake Trinan, let's say what he did last year was historic, so that's not repeatable. But let's say he was still Blake Trinan and he was dominant. If you had Liam Hendricks, Lou Trevino, Blake Trinan, Soria's throwing the ball well, and you're hitting all these home runs, and you had Chris Davis going well, that's a monster no one would want to face. I can guarantee you that. All right, we are going to try something that we have never done before. What could possibly go wrong? We are going to do something next coming up here that we're going to try it. It's going to be a big surprise. This is either going to be a big hit or it's going to be a colossal failure. So if it's a hit, Cody, you take all the kudos. If it bombs, I'll wear it.
I was say I thought you were going to say if if it hits, I get the kudos. If it fails, I take the credit for failing. I thought it was going to be one of those. No, I'll I'll be the captain. If the ship goes down, I'll go down with it. All right. Well. All right. Well, as long as one of us makes but it. But if it went, well, because you got to go to all the meetings. I don't have to go to these <laughs> meetings. You got to see everybody. True. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll wear it. Yeah, you'll wear it if it's good. Yeah. If it's bad, I go down with the ship. Yeah. But I don't have to see anybody because no one. I got to tell you, with the A's, we're hiring so many people. There's, I, there's so many new people around here. It's really unbelievable. There is. It's funny because email we got yesterday with all the new hires. One of them like started the same day I did, which is interesting that she was in the email that was in there today. And I was like, interesting. But you look through and it's just like 15 new people. And it's like, this is like every month. Hey, like, did you get on one of those emails? Uh, yeah, I did. The, well, the first month I was here, I did. The, like the I second week. I, I I, it's almost like they were embarrassed to hire me. They, I, I never made an email. Uh, well, I think everyone knows who you are. No, I'll I think I think they're like they wanted to hide that transaction. <laughs> That was like a waiver wire that they didn't want anybody to know. It's like they claim the, you know, it's, it's like the A's claim me off waivers. Oh, uh, okay. So you're out of options. <laughs> <laughs> they, Who, you were so you, technically you were DFA'd, but they didn't want to let people. No, know No, I that. was not DFA'd. I quit. I, 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 I did quit the old job. They didn't get rid of me. They tried. They tried to keep me, but no. Um, coming up next, here's the tease. It's either going to be great. Or it's going to be horrible right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All righty. Are we ready? By the way, I'm reading all your texts. 510-897-1322. Keep them coming. I will try to respond to a lot of them. Love live streaming. More of that. All right, we're going to do that. Uh, trying and mop up. Katie and the six hole moves are correct and completely related to your conversation with BIP on the family clubhouse. They are not an insult or a demotion. They are moves to take pressure off of two players who are trying to find their groove. And they will from the 415. All right, there you go. Are you ready? All right, we're trying something. That we've never done before. We're calling somebody that doesn't know we're calling them. And they work for the A's. Hello? Hi, how are you? <laughs> Who's calling? Uh, it's Chris Townsend. Oh, gosh, here we go. Hey. Amelia Schimmel is with us here as uh, executive producer of the Oakland Athletics. Is that your official title? Uh, executive producer of Ballpark Entertainment and Video Content. Okay, so Matt Pearl is... It's set- a mouthful. What's up? It's a mouthful. Well, you, you're, you're big league. you got a big-time job. You should have a big <laughs> title. Well, thanks. So Matt Pearl has told us that we need to have more people on from the office, and and we decided to prank call you because um, we wanted to thank you for uh, getting us, Mark DeRosa and all the people from MLB Network on, and it is amazing how much they gush (laughs) about you. Well, that was – I was very, very honored, but uh, that's an interesting way to to prank call somebody is just go ahead and call them. Um, (laughs) 
you know, I didn't really realize what the phone call sounded like on the other end of it. Yeah. It's kind of how you get all your guests. You just call them like, hey. This is, this is well, usually they know we're calling. So you, you're oh, the. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're the first person that we were uh, going to call and not tell. And, and it's a New York number. So you have no clue it's us. Exactly. It could have been any any of the people that I worked with at MLB. That's why I told I, I told Cody I'm like, oh, she'll answer. She thinks it's somebody from the network. I, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Um, yeah, your relationship was. What what was it like working there for you? And because all these guys, oh my God, there's a cat on the field. We got a cat on third base. You know, they saved the cat on the field. You know, until after I left. For the day, you know how much I love cats. There is Chris. a cat. I'll take. I'll go down and take a picture for you. There's. A, I didn't know there was a, a cat living here. But I want to. I want you to talk about your time at MLB Network because you have all these ex players that I'll talked about what you meant to them while you were there. It is really cool. Oh, you know, I paid them all to say that. To be honest, um, <laughs> no. I mean, it was just. It was like a family over there, and I really loved it. And. Um, you know, I really you you get to really know people when you work the morning show with them. When you get to like a six fifteen a.m. meeting, um, you really get to know people very well, and they're like family, and everybody kind of pulls for each other, and they're all really great people, and we had a lot of fun there too. But you know, there's nothing like working for the A's, also. You know, I we I asked Mark because I know you you think he'll be a phenomenal manager, and I asked him, and I thought I was going to get a different answer because the answer was, yeah, I'd love to do it. I thought I didn't realize he is actually interviewed twice for it, and the more you hear him talk, and you've got to know him real well, I I could really see him being a great big league manager. Oh yeah, I mean, Dero is he's a genius. He thinks a few steps ahead. I always thought that he'd make a great manager. I knew that he had kind of, uh, you know, applied, put his name in the ring a couple times. Um, I didn't really know, you know, he was going to mention it on AceCast, but he did, which is awesome. I think it's really cool just to kind of hear the inner workings because I know how much he loves MLB Network, and I know that that's something that's perfect for him. Like you said, like being on MLB Central, it's like it's made for him. And he kind of came off the field and just became a natural, um, you know, as an analyst. So to think that he would have to go manage somewhere and leave MLB Network is kind of sad to think. But I think that, you know, that's something that he's got to do at some point in his life, too, because he's just an incredible players manager type person where all the players just respect him. You know, the the, the players that played with him, the players that heard about him, they all come up to him and they, they think highly of him. And he's just that kind of person that gets along with everyone. So he'd, he'd be a perfect manager someday. And, you know, hopefully it's not for the Crosstown Rivals. Yeah, I didn't think about that. No, we don't want that. <laughs> well, you know, let me say, though, I do. Bob Melvin is incredible. And, you know, I, I never suggested to him that he come manage for the A's. But I just I want him to, to know that, you know, he is the kind of person that that um, anybody would, I'm sure, love to be on a team for so or, or with because I was, you know, kind of on a pseudo team with him at MLB Network. And it was great. By the way, Scott in Mendocino is saying that our, our our prank call is a hit, so you're doing a great job, Amelia. Oh, God. We are entertaining. <laughs> I like how I asked you who's calling, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I was like, you know, this does sound like county, but I am jogging in San Jose right now, so it's a little bit noisy. So, you know, a lot of us, obviously, if you're around the ballpark, you're watching the network every single day. And this is really my first time, you know, 
working just in baseball because I've always done, and I'm still doing the Raiders, but, I, I mean, I'd always go from A's to Warriors to Ra- I always had different sports going on. What is it like working there where it is Major League Baseball every day, all day, 24-7? Oh, my gosh. Well, it takes, it takes a special kind of person to be able to not get bored. I mean, I love baseball. I really just, like, eat, breathe, sleep baseball. And, you know, there are people that come there and are just like, you know what? I thought I loved baseball, but every single day. And then there are people that just, you know, they're made for it. And I will never get sick of baseball. Um, it's kind of interesting to think that, like, in the off season, even at MLB Network, even at the A's, there's so much going on in terms of baseball. And all my friends are like, you can't stop talking baseball. The season's not even happening. And I'm like, you know what? I, <laughs> this is what you think about in the off season too. I mean, there's things to talk about. There are trades. There, there's Hall of Fame. Um, it, you really just it's your whole life you know um even if you do have a little bit of a social life outside it's always just like based on those hours and i loved it i mean i started as a logger at mlb network it was really cool to me to get there at like 8 p.m and start or 7 p.m and start logging a game and then just get to watch every single play of that game and it was very very tedious for some people but for me it was really cool i got to like learn players that i would never have you know, recognized otherwise, and it really helped later on when people were like, you know, why do you know that September call-up so well? It's like, because I saw him and I logged his video, like, last year or two years ago at spring. So it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely different. Um, you definitely kind of, it's a lifestyle that you choose. But I've never worked in anything other than baseball, so I really wouldn't know what that was like. And tell everybody the reason why you left that great job is because, more importantly, is how much you love the Oakland Athletics and an opportunity to come oh, yeah. back home and, and work for the team that you love so much. I mean, it was, it was too good to be true. They, I, multiple people sent me the job opening. Multiple people said, you have to do this. I mean, and I was, you know, it was a nice opportunity to move back to the Bay Area, too, because it's a wonderful place to live. Um, and I, I love MLB Network. It was hard to leave there. But um, the A's are the team that I grew up watching, the team that I grew up going to every single game, you know, Sometimes it would be the first or second inning, and I'd hear that a pitcher's doing well, and I'd just drop what I'd do and go, go to the game. And, you know, it was affordable. It was um, something that, like, all of my friends did. Oakland's a city, but it's also a small-town feel. So you'd see all these people that you know at the game, and it's, it's really like a family of a fan base. So it was just so, so cool being able to come back to the team that I love and root for the team that I love while also working for them. Because at MLB Network, you have to – maintain a level of unbiased um you, you can kind of a little bit root for the a's i did when i was kind of around matt vasgersian who's also a big a's fan um he and i were kind of the support group for the a's but you know it's one thing you, you got to represent every single team when you're working for mlb network but then when you come back and work for the a's you can really pull for your team which is really cool and what is the coolest part about your job now with the a's Oh, you can ask me to name one cool part. All oh right, give, give me a couple. First, first the prank call. <laughs> oh, really, I mean, not just the moments on the field. I mean, I've, I've, wished, I've witnessed two no-hitters since I started with the A's, which is unbelievable. But, but seeing, like, my team creates these awesome videos, these amazing fireworks shows. They set up these performances pregame. And then getting to watch them and then watch fans watch them is really, really cool. Um, you know, seeing an, uh, a video that someone poured, you know, is hard into Danny Contreras, Brian Littles, our graphic animators, they're, they're genius. Um, 
seeing that on the board and seeing people actually watch them ooh and ah and seeing the players look at those videos on the board is really cool. And having them get hyped up by the things that we do is awesome. And fireworks shows, 510 night, which was really cool for me personally, too, because I have so much love for, you know, the 510 area code and uh, being from Oakland. And it was just really cool seeing that fireworks show and having people come and dance to all the music that I grew up to. So. That's you, not one thing I know, but <laughs> it's a lot of them. You are the best. You've been very helpful starting this program. We pre- we appreciate everything, and now you can get back to jogging. <laughs> That's a weird flex. I wasn't really jogging. I was just kind of walking. What am I going to say I was jogging? <laughs> it sounds bad. I'm working out at the gym. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm, prob- I'm walking at Target. That's what I'm doing. You, you're the best. We'll talk soon. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks, Tony. Amelia Schimmel, our first prank call. See, you can't do that in radio. It's, like, illegal. But we're not on the radio. We're on an app. And she works for us. So it's not like we're randomly calling some that someone we don't know. We we know Amelia. Yeah. So. We've been talking about her all day on the show, and Mark DeRosa just gloated about her. So I was like, oh, let's get her on. I think we start doing this more often. Which random A's employee will we call next? I, I told Pearl to call because you, you unfortunately had your travel mishap with the delay, and I, you missed his birthday party. I said, Pearl, you got to call in and just a rip tonic for missing your birthday party. But uh, obviously he never called. He's We're on still a, waiting. He's on a plane. Uh, yeah, that's true. He's, Under, he's on a plane in Minnesota. Are we, what are we doing here? Oh, we'll, we can get the buying or selling if you want to do it. Did you say Alex was going to call in? I, I, Alex Jensen, the face of A's all night. Is, yes. Calling games for the Stockton Ports. The oh. next nine games. And I told the him, next I said, nine? I told him to call in. I said, Alex, you should call in and gloat about how you're calling games. How's he going to call in? I, I can give him the number to call in. There, there's a way to do that. There is? Yeah. We can have people call in? Yeah, like when like when you're on like when you're in Tampa and we, we're doing this, I had people call us, remember? Because I couldn't call them because you'd hear the dial tone going as you're talking. So, no, I don't remember that. Yeah, millennial technology. So then we could take phone calls. Well, then the thing with that is you have like seven, eight, nine, ten people all on the line at one time. So you wouldn't be able to do it. We're one big family. I'm not going to fight that. That's a battle you have to fight with the uh, the project managers of the. Oh, uh, who's the pro? <laughs> who's our project manager? We we don't. I don't think we have one yet. I was hoping that uh, it, you know, talk to Joey. Joey's in charge the next two days after. Today. That's a that's a big thing around the A's is project managers, right? Yeah. Started um, yesterday, I found out, at one of the meetings that you missed that I, I was at. That there's going to be a lot of project managing going on? Yeah, I feel like I'm the only person that, well, besides you, that's part of Ace Cast that's not a project manager. So Joey and Pearl are, and we are not. What project would be good for me? The app that we you want to do? with, with Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. Wh- where is Dave Cavill? I want him oh, on the line right now. I, I try to get Cavill. Cavill's out of the country until next week. Oh, is he on vacation? Yeah, Sweden, I think, is where he's at or somewhere like that is what I was told. Hey, if anybody deserves a vacation, that guy deserves a vacation. As hard as he works, good for him. I really want to see what he has to say about your app idea. I have a great idea. Dave Cavill, I'm trying to make you money. You're out of the country spending money. Come back home. I'm going to make you some money. To go on another vacation and spend more money. <laughs> to spend more money. All right, you ready? Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's do it. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right, Tony. Well, 
I don't know if you saw this recently or not, but uh, Hinjun Ryu, the clo the pitcher for the Dodgers, was the best pitcher and almost perfect for about three months. In that time, he had a 1.60 ERA, 10 walks and 91 strikeouts, and 101 innings over 15 starts. For the season, he leads the majors with a 9.55 strikeout to walk ratio and a 0.5 walks per nine innings. His .93 whip leads the NL. He's 7-0 with a .85 ERA at Dodger Stadium. In June, Max Scherzer became the first pitcher since 1908 with at least 68 strikeouts and five or fewer walks in a calendar month. He's just one of four since 1920 to have an ERA of one and 68 strikeouts a month joining Pedro, Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, all Hall of Famers. Well, besides Roger Clemens. Buying or selling, Max Scherzer, not Ryu, will be the NL Cy Young Award winner. Now, Scherzer is on the IL. I forgot to say that. He's on the IL, but he was on pace before that to have 329 strikeouts, which would have been the highest since Randy Johnson did it four years in a row with the Diamondbacks. Ooh, so buy, buying or selling what? I mean, that, that really Scherzer, was a, a yeah, long, I wordy I question. To, I wanted to lay out the stats for you. Buying or selling Scherzer, not Ryu, will win the NL Cy Young this year. Um, I'm going to buy. And the reason why I'm going to buy is at some point the Dodgers don't want their guys going big innings. So at what point do they have a big lead and he's not pitching that much? That's true. And they're, they're – Once they once – they, how, many, how many innings is he at right now? Uh, I think it's like uh, I can double check. I think that was just through June, but he was like a hundred over. He's over a hundred. Well, obviously he's over a hundred innings, but um, I, I think that with the way he's having, like we talked about this before, he's having a season like um, Degrom had last year, where he had the low ERA, he wasn't walking anyone, he's getting a ton of strikeouts. Except that, well, the Dodgers win games where the Mets don't win games. So right now, uh, Ryu is at 116 innings pitched on the season. He's a 178 ERA, ten and two. Yeah, he at some point they're gonna start skipping starts and. Mad Max, you, you know, you know the the image that everybody's gonna have in their head of Mad Max is him with the broken nose. That, that was incredible. Yeah, that's, that's. I think that's the image. I think if you're gonna talk about an image of the 2019 baseball season, that has to be it. Not outfielders thinking they are gonna catch the ball and then run out of room and the ball keeps going out of the ballpark. Uh, we did see a great catch today by Ramon Laureano robbing a home run, which is crazy. When he told us yesterday, the, the first time he robbed the home run was here. He season. had never run in his life. Yeah, that was that was crazy when he said that. All right, buyer selling number two. The I'm just going to preface it by saying this because they're they're a mess. The 2019 Mets should follow what the 2015 Padres did, meaning when the Padres in 2015, remember when they went out and they signed a bunch of guys. They signed uh, Craig Kimbrell or traded for Kimbrell. They got Justin Upton, Will Myers, James Shields, Matt Kemp. Um, that was Preller's first year, general manager. So he he went, or whatever his title. Yeah, is. he went big. He went big for it. And then, the, then they also traded Trey Turner and Yasmani Grandal, who turned out to be pretty good. And then they've tanked for three years, and uh, they're starting to get better now. The Mets this offseason acquired Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano, but they lost two guys that, are, that were in the top 100, uh, top 100 prospects in baseball, and Jared Kalenic and Justin Dunn. Buying or selling, the Mets should follow what the Padres did from a few years ago. I'm buying. Yeah, I mean, and, and they may need to take it a step further. They may need to clean house – on everything because Brody Van Wagenen this guy seems like he's really in over his head former agent turned GM Callaway has been a zoo but the but the big question is can can the Wilpons 
go out and hire the right people and allow them to do their jobs. I can buy and say, yeah, clean house, you got to change. It's dysfunctional. But dysfunction starts at the top. So no matter what you do, you could go down the course you're going now. You could completely rebuild. You could whatever you're going to do. If they're still going to meddle and still be dysfunctional, nothing's going to change. I'll buy. But really, the question is, can the Wilpons change to be able to become successful again? And two things that happened recently. Well, I can say recently. The Mets just inexplicably cut Travis Darnot in the in, in spring training. He comes back and hits three home runs for the Rays the other day in New York against the Yankees. And then you saw what happened to Zach Wheeler. No structural damage, so that's a, that's good news for the Mets as they try to trade him. But if they trade Syndergaard and somehow the Astros, like I told you before, somehow get him, uh, that's going to be scary for, for uh, years to come if they're able to hold on to him. All right. Yesterday was the 78th year anniversary of Joe DiMaggio hitting for his getting a hit in his 56th straight game, which the record still stands today. Um, I was looking, going back and looking at some of the hitting streaks that were even close to that in the modern day. Pete Rose had a 44-game hitting streak in 1978. Paul Molitor got the 39 in 1987. And Jimmy Rollins got the 38 in 2005-2006. Other notable streaks slash records that we haven't seen broken yet are Cy Young's 511 wins. <laughs> Kyle Ripken's 2,632 consecutive games played. Not going to happen. Ricky Henderson's 1,406 steals. Not going to happen. And Nolan Ryan's 5,714 strikeouts. Buying or selling Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak is the one streak slash record that will never be broken. That That's the one? I pick, I think that, like, that, I was No, I'm selling that. I'm so selling that. 511 wins? Yeah, 511 way, wins? Yeah, the way we value pitchers, that's, you might be lucky if we see, we see a guy win 150 games. I now. mean, 511 wins? Let's just go to... Pedro Martinez. Would you say Pedro was pretty good? He's pretty good. I'll, I'll tell you about Ricky real quick. Ricky owns a record for most seasons of 70 or more steals with seven. Most seasons with 100 or more steals with three. Most seasons with 40 or more steals, 16. He was pretty good at stealing bases. I'm going to give you an example of how I I am right. Can I give you an example? Sure. Pedro Martinez in modern-day baseball has arguably been one of the best, right? In recent memory. Yeah, his years with the Red Sox were, what, 99 to 02? Like, him and Randy Johnson were incredible both those years. How many, it. how many games, games, not starts, how many games do you think Pedro pitched in? Uh, he would have pitched in, I would say, 125. What, what, what was the years? No. How many games? Oh, in his career? In his career. Oh, uh, I would say 410. 476. He had 409 starts. And you're trying to tell me someone's going to win 511 games? Yeah, that's uh, that's on me. That's that's uh, That streak is the way we value wins now. It's incredible how the, that's the way guys are the way the way guys are taken out of games. We might ever see another 300 game winner again. No. And the, the closest I think right now is Verlander. No, oh, CC. CC. And then Verlander's next because Bartolo's not pitching right now. Randy Johnson. Pitched in 618 games. Had 603 starts. I mean, that, that's pitching for 22 years. No one's getting 511. Uh, no one. They're they're all they're all not breakable because no one will play every day again. No one will allow that. Um, Nolan Ryan 
if you're going to find me someone that's going to throw high 90s to triple digits till they're 44 years old, I don't think any of those are probably. Ricky, Ricky's record's safe in our lifetime because they're not going to allow anybody yeah. to steal that much. The only guy that steals bases anymore is Billy Hamilton. Hey, so. the, hey, not only did Ricky steal the most bases, he was, he was also caught stealing the most in the yeah. history of the game. And they're, they're never going to let a, allow a guy to run like that again. All right, this this is one that I interest But me. you know what? Maybe Joe's record is the one that is the most attainable. Uh, that Okay, so that's a good way to spin it because 56 games we saw, like the modern day, we saw how close Pete Rose got. And we've seen guys get kind of close, but we've, we've seen on Beat the Streak, we saw a guy come close and, well, he, he didn't. He fall a little, fell a little short. So buying or selling to this one, because I felt this is interesting and I try to j- draw the comparison. Cody Bellinger versus Christian Yelich is this generation's McGuire versus Sosa. Right now, Yelich is hitting 332 with 34 home runs and 72 RBIs coming into tonight. Bellinger also has 34 home runs, 77 RBIs, and with a 340 batting average. They're both going for the MVP award. Bellinger and and Bellinger is the first guy to have 30 home runs in 93 games since I think it was Ken Griffey Jr. And the other guys there were Jimmy Fox, Willie Mays, and Mark McGuire. Remember, back then, Bonds in Sosa in 2001 both hit 60 home runs in the season, although Luis Gonzalez had the great start. These two guys are on pace to have 60 home runs this year. Hopefully. We'll see. Be the, be the first time since 2001 this happened. Buying or selling, Yelich, Bellinger, is McGuire, Sosa for this generation. Oh, selling. I, I you can, If you lived through that. I did. I was uh, 10. Yeah, see, the electricity around... Sosa McGuire, they were breaking away for every at-bat. They became rock stars. They saved the game. Now, they're on steroids, but, like, already now, people are talking about the ball being juiced. See, back then, it, that was just a show, and everybody bought into it, and it was, a, it was an incredible show. It was must-see TV. I don't think either Bellinger or Yelich are must-see. And these guys were larger than life. Mark McGuire looked like a defensive end. Sammy Sosa was huge. They were all roided out. These are two skinny guys. Yeah, they're, both, they're two Southern California guys. I mean, I just, yeah, to me, uh, to me, nothing's going to capture that again. And then anything that we kind of see like that again, we're going to really question. We're going to go, okay, something's wrong. Either the players are juiced, the equipment's juiced, it's just not. It's just. It's not normal to hit sixty something home runs. Uh, speaking of home runs, I was want to put this in there. Pete Alonso, uh, D. Row brought it up earlier. He had a four hundred seventy four foot home run today. At Target Field. What's he on pace for? Uh, he's at. Th- I can. He's on at like thirty one or thirty two homers. I think. How so many guys can we have hit sixty home runs this year? We've got those three guys. Josh Bell's kind of fallen off a little bit. So you think there'd be four right there because Bell's like twenty six or twenty seven. But those are the three guys that you think of. I'd, I'd have to look at the list. And I'll look it up real quickly. Um, the last one. I brought this up with Alex Jensen. Alex Jensen, the face of A's all night, calling Stockton Ports games, will be the next Jim Brockmeyer. Have you ever watched that show? Well, he, he's a recovering alcoholic, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a mess, right? Uh, yeah. Alex nah. is a mess. I'm just saying he goes, I look at it as a guy that starts in the minor leagues and builds his way up, and that's where Alex is. He started in single A. Call St. Mary's game, so we'll, we'll see what he does. But I Okay, that, I'm buying. He's the next. You know what? Alex Jensen's the next Vince Gully. Oh, boy. It's high praise. I'm going to say this and send it to him. Yeah, he's the next Vince Gully. All right, that's all I have. We're, we're that's all of, you got? Yeah, we're running out of time here. 
What time is it? Uh, 6.59. The show's over? Yeah. I'm ready to keep talking. All right, we will be back tomorrow. What time are we going to be back to? I'll be back tomorrow at... 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock. Hey, that's right. We'll have A's cast live at 3 o'clock. Then we got pregame at 4.15, and then first pitch at 5 o'clock. We want to thank everybody for stopping by today. What a great show we had. You you did phenomenal, Cody. I uh, want to thank everybody quickly. Ray Fossey, Ben Ross, Evan Drellich. We had Mark DeRosa, Bip Roberts, Amelia Schimmel, and we had you, Cody. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 